Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Now I throw shields on the dick to stop me from that HIV shit. And niggas know they soft like a Twinkie feeling. Playing the villain, prepare for this rap killing. Biggie Smalls is the illest. Your style is played out like Arnold when the what you talking about, Willis? The thrill is gone. The black Frank White is here to excite. Hello, this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm Joe. And I'm JT. And how are we, lads? Glad to podcast with you again. It's a nice uh, break from the, from the outside world. Feels like it's only been a, a couple of days since I spoke to you, but yeah, this outlet is uh, is proven crucial at these uh, these hard times. Yeah, it really is. I think we're just podcasting for ourselves at this stage, aren't we? Already, <laughs> we two just spent weeks like in. twenty minutes before we press record, just ranting about our individual workplaces and life. Oh, in mate, general. it was more than that. It was a good forty. <laughs> No, yeah, it's, it it's basically 10 o'clock at this point. This is one of the latest times we press record. It's the type of stuff, unfortunately, we can't include because we, uh, you know, we're very professional at our jobs. But let's just say it's a mm. fucking shit show out there, everybody. JP. Yes. Last time I spoke to you today on this is what the third or fourth chat that we've been part of together today via yes. the internet. Hmm. Uh, what you were running off to Aldi earlier? How was your trip to Aldi? I got, I got. What are you eating there, Joe? <laughs> Oh, can you hear that? Yeah, what is it? We'd like to know. The listeners will be interested. Oh, it's a um, Milky Bar mini egg. <laughs> Fucking good. Like, seriously, the shell on it is amazing. And the, like, solidity of the chocolate is different level. Like, oh. they've surpassed mini eggs as my favourite Easter-based confectionery. <laughs> like, and that is a tall feat, honestly. I think there's going to be a so lot of good. Because every time I go, I've been to like the, my local Tesco a couple of times. It's it's tough now. They only let 50 people in at once. So it's uh, mm. it's hard to get in. But you see there's so many Easter eggs and stuff about. There's going to be lots of that. Lots of markdown Easter treats, I think. I just don't think people are in the uh, in the mood to be buying all that. Did you get any Audi earlier, mate? I didn't get any at all. In fact, I was thinking it was, it was rather sparse on that front. Oh. I prepared for the worst. And I was pleasantly surprised that the whole thing was relatively painless. Although there was a lot of people in there who really still aren't grasping the whole mm. social distancing thing, are they? At oh, all. Yeah, it's like, People like stood right close up and it's just like, I'm getting a lettuce, mate. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, honestly to God, I've noticed that as well in people's reactions. They're being nicely blunt, I think. Yeah. For people who are doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've and been you are within your right. Yeah. So even stood up, like going behind, I'm turning around, just prepared to go, fuck off, mate. No, no, back off. <laughs> I Global bit... pandemic. I don't give a shit about your feelings <laughs> at this stage. I'm in St. Sainsbury's Friday night. It was oh. pretty empty and the shelves are pretty well stocked, I've got to say. Hmm. But uh, I noticed the kind of dickish family who live just across from me, um, were in there. So they've got a bit of a rep in my clothes. Like. I love this family, by the way. They're like my favourite, like, big, big part yeah. characters in this podcast. 
Oh, no, this is another one, mate. Oh, is another it? One. This and is the Tories. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned these ones before. I've never spoke to these lot, although the others don't want to speak to me anyway, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like five or six kids that live in this house. The mum is coming and going constantly. She's an odd character. Um, and I saw them in Sainsbury's. My God, it must be like 15, 16, these two lads. The way they race around Sainsbury's and get excited by like a pack of chocolate biscuits. Pretty special, I tell you. Like, <laughs> racing around, like barging past me. Like, I had to look at one of them at one point and just sort of give like a kind of like shrug sort of thing, which he wasn't too impressed with. But I also saw him as well before, Am, getting money at the cash point. I was thinking... You're literally getting money at, at the cash point to pay for your shopping. Like, we've been told not to handle money at this stage. Like, what the fuck are you doing, number one? Uh, and then afterwards, I came out to the car park, and I was parked next to their car. And there were two cans of Stella in the, like, drinks, like, like the drinks holders in the car. I'm thinking, like, they have <laughs> cans of Stella getting down the Sainsbury's to do their shop. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I fear for them when the coronavirus goes uh, hits your close at some point. Oh, mate, I fear for the fucking close. Seriously, the lack of like obedience to the rules of that that mob ad, I tell you, unbelievable. It's like that round here. Like the people seem to be listening. Like I'll drive into work, and generally the roads are quiet. But when I'm coming home from work, you still have like the local scallies on the street, like in groups of three or four, and just people just wandering around like it like it's no problem. Right, so yeah, it, it, the difference in the way, like even in work, we had like a dress down day on Friday, where like we can wear our quote unquote own clothes, and my boss was still collecting coin, we wanting to collect coins, as like everyone had to pay a pound for dress down day, and it was like unless you're taking contactless payment, can we like can we rein these things in, like just people's common sense, I think we're finding this week it, it is completely out there. Um, Adapt adapting for some people is just impossible isn't it at yeah. this point i was well, like... i was nervous i went to the local spa the one in by Anfield that i've mentioned before that i've gone to on a match day mistakenly and i was at, at the spa <laughs> and i want i was getting my food for work this week and all the local shops are shut so it's it's difficult time so i did actually go up and try and buy four pot noodles and i remember thinking like am i am i going over the limit here is there a limit on pot noodles? i got four different flavors just to be safe like obviously not the healthiest of lunches this week, but I was paranoid just about that. The guy behind the guy behind Till didn't give a fuck. But at the set, but I was like, oh god, yeah. What if what if he says something here? What if what if I'm hoarding all the pot noodles of uh, of Spa Anfield uh, and he's got to give you some grief? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've not you've not nicked all the loo roll as well, have you? No, no, I'm very good about that, mate. Don't have, don't have oh, my Sainsbury's was proper stop for the bog roll on Friday night. Honestly, it was all right. The oh. emergency bog roll that me and jp both stole from work hasn't got much use yet thank <laughs> god it looks like honestly be proper like sandpaper style bog roll like yeah. it's not gonna be friendly to the arse put it that way well, have you I, used any jp yeah. no i haven't um and basically if it hits a road style scenario where we're collecting coke cans and whatever the fucking shits and giggles at that point yeah i'll probably go to i wouldn't it, wipe but... your ass with them jp that sounds painful oh it does sound painful and completely <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> Did you manage to get your potatoes at Aldi? I did get potatoes in Aldi. Because you were having a bit of a potato problem, weren't you? I was. It sounds like you're making some sort of deeply inappropriate joke about my family roots. (laughs) Well, I was thinking, like, when you were having that potato problem last week, I thought, like, this is the opportunity in the moment you've been waited for. Like, you know. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) A potato famine in 2020, you know. Just localised around, JP. 
Well, it's a tin tomato famine, if anything, that I found in Aldi tonight. <laughs> that and generally fusily pasta. But there was other pasta there, so that issue's somewhat been resolved. What did you compromise with? What, in terms of the other one? Um, there was um, some slightly... Uh, there was just, like, standard penne, really. Ah. And I went, it, it's a fucking global pandemic. I can live. This is the epitome of a first world problem if I have an issue with this. Um, Couldn't get yeah. your action man bow tie. No. Surpri- surprisingly pleasant experience for what I was expecting. I was expecting at least to have one full-on row in there. And it, mm. and it never happened. And they had pretty much most things I wanted. So I went a bit hell for leather. And then, uh, yeah, it was a bugger getting it back. But there you go. Do you get any pot yeah, noodles? A mate? trip to Aldi. That's already what we've resorted to on this podcast. <laughs> haven't we? No pot That's noodles, JP. No noodles at all. Like a, you know, a pot noodle man. I, I will, I'm not a pot know, noodle I'm man. A meal but deal I'm... kind of guy. I'm just saying. Like, that's all it is. I've, I can't. Uh, I can't go to Tesco and get. I can't, in good conscience, go to Tesco each day and get a meal deal at the moment. You're supposed to only go shopping once a day. Hence, I'm reduced to the pot noodle. You're not a pot noodle fan. No, not really. Not necessarily my my kind of cup of tea i was like a long time ago with the old it would have been the chicken and mushroom ah. would, and then it started to kind of go a bit wild the bombay bad boys and the rest of it oh yeah the bombay bad boys um, i don't mind like I, I don't have like strong opinions against them but one thing and a slightly related note to it though i've learned to love the local corner shop again big time same like there's some of the corner shops and you think oh that's quite handy when not wanting to go anywhere near a supermarket mm. or go too far at the minute that's been kind of nice yeah. in terms of like local businesses that's the thing like my local corner shops my local kebab houses my local indian uh, restaurants they're the types of places that just aren't closing at the moment they're the uh, they're the true heroes risking their lives for us uh us idiots saturday yeah the drug dealers of course you know, <laughs> are they still running I mean, not, not that you know jp but it's like <laughs> are they key workers does it count? are they well, not all heroes wear capes, Benno. As, as has been well, they're providing a certain type of medication, aren't they? Really? <laughs> I was wondering. Imagine about that. Going, they really are. Uh, imagine going cold turkey during this period. <laughs> I was having a particularly rough week at work. I came home on Friday. I watched a bit of high maintenance on Saturday. JP, I was thinking oh. of you, and I was thinking, you know what? I could. I wish. I wish I knew someone locally. Oh, and I, it, it did make me wonder about the, uh, the key worker situation. It, well, he definitely would be a key worker. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's one of the most kind of underappreciated TV programs out there. I know you two have gotten into it yeah. in recent years. And if you're looking to kill some time, high maintenance from all the Vimeo stuff through the HBO stuff is just amazing. It's an incredible series. There's a slice of life. But yeah, in my mind, they're not NHS key workers. They're key workers nonetheless. Yeah. Provide, providing a service and... Uh, and keeping people from going completely ballistic. <laughs> Speaking of the NHS, I don't know if you saw any of it, Joe. Did you see the uh, the NXT UK superstars trying to pledge their support behind? Uh, oh, someone said screenshot of like Wolfgang and the Coffee <laughs> Brothers with a blue and white like, coloured NXT UK logo. It was like, oh, oh come on, lads! What the fuck is that? And and also, you know what? <laughs> you know, who probably wouldn't approve of the NHS. Probably Vince. Let's be honest here. The most right-leaning, well, one of the most right-leaning men in America, okay. who probably is a massive fan of a private healthcare system. And let's be honest, think about his wife's job in Trump's cabinet at one point. 
I imagine she loves a private elf service as well. So, yeah, interesting that. Wonder what where that directive came from. It, was, it came like the day after as well. They were all ragging on David Starr because David Starr had made like a, a Twitter post making fun of Boris Johnson uh, getting the disease, which was fucking hilarious. And like literally some Scottish referee quote teased them saying how it was tasteless. And honestly, like I, I did a screen grab of all the likes and it was Flash Morgan Webster. It was Wolfgang. It was all your favourite NXT UK stuff. Mark Andrews. Your Mark Andrews. Could, she couldn't help just get that little like in. Ah, there you go, David Starr. Like, oh, even even in these times. But I love David Starr reacted to all of this when they were all posting a, a blue and white NXT UK logo. He, popped, he posted the actual NHS logo and posted a nice message about the NHS. It's like, if you didn't think David Starr was the baby face in this uh, real life issue already, he really is now. Interesting to see how uh, all the geeks lumped on there, wasn't it, as well? Mm. So no one with any real legitimacy, no one who probably has a logical or coherent political thought or view amongst that mob. I remember what Flash Morgan Webster was saying around the time of the election last year, and they're just all lumping on with their, you know, one-dimensional takes on mm. political situations. Quite hilarious, really, isn't it? Whereas Star, you know, speaking eloquently... As a well laid out point of view, I don't necessarily agree with everything David Starr no, has to didn't. say, but I'm pretty, yeah, I'm very much on that side and very much lean towards the left. Uh, but, you know, I'd be up for a debate, if anything, whereas those guys are just up for slagging him off and putting him down as much as possible in the most kind of immature way possible. So, yeah. yeah, it's good to see that the NXT UK cult continues even during a global pandemic. And thank God they recorded so many episodes of TV to keep <laughs> us going during this as well. Oh yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we, we were struggling, weren't we? But we've kind of rebranded as an NXT UK podcast. Fuck <laughs> that. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. Hasn't, even, hasn't even crossed my mind. <laughs> it's like one I of the only shows. It. It's got like, it's probably got, it's got about three months in the can or be, building up to this NXT, Island, NXT UK takeover Ireland. Uh, that they really well named and had planned. I think that's been put back to like when's it put back to it's like an OTT weekend isn't it JP towards the end of the year coincidence it's, I'm sure also yeah. the weekend uh, Japan are rumoured to be coming back to the UK I'm sure there's nothing to it I'm sure it's all a coincidence but quite funny quite funny that even yeah. even when they're probably not even trying they managed to do that yeah late October isn't it mm. I think that's what, what they're going for I mean, you know, obviously they knew the pandemic was coming, so they were planning to move back there anyway. I mean, that's the simple answer. I don't know why we question it at this stage. It's the only weekend they could have gone for. There was no other ones in September or earlier in October they could have gone for. No, no, no. Had to be that one. Just that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What you make on the Boris thing, by the way, fucking hilarious. I was pissing myself when the news broke. That uh, that he had the coronavirus. I was. I would more. I'd rather I, Trump got it. I don't like Boris. If you, if, you, if I was going to pick a world leader to get sick with it right now, it'd be Trump. But in the same week, Prince Charles getting it, and then Boris Johnson getting it. I, I still enjoyed that just a little bit. Oh, it's equal opportunities. The coronavirus, isn't it? Mm. It really it, it is at this point. It's kind of working its way through in that sense. Working um, its way through the government. I, I was. It was funny when you say about Trump because I've seen some of the Trump day. Daily briefings and they're kind of they're terrifying oh they really God. are oh, um have you been listening you guys listen to the new york times podcast the daily i do yeah i listen to it every oh, day i haven't no Oh, it's so. I know you listen to a good fill of your American political stuff, JP, so you've probably got it covered. But honestly, in terms of keeping you updated with in depth coverage that cuts through the crap, 
based on the American response. If any any listeners are interested, check it out. It's been amazing during this. Like when I, when I go for my walks, if me and my girlfriend don't go for a walk together, I listen to a couple of episodes of that and just catch up with what's oh, going yeah. on, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> but it's like from podcast to podcast, the perspective suddenly changes, and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I like that though. It's balanced. But like I was gonna say, for me, like you say, it's useful for people. No, like, no, I mean Trump's, Trump's, oh, Trump's perspective. perspective approach, right. mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what I appreciate about it, what I love about it, is like you were saying there that it that it helps like keep you informed in political discussion. I remember being in Liverpool. JP and uh, our mate Davy Star were having, uh, you know, having a bit of oh, a, yeah. a, a, a nice political chat and a bit of a bifter outside his hotel. If I don't need to send that bit out, and I was stood there like in any other in any maybe a year ago, I would have been stood there like I have no idea what these two are talking about. Go, they were going in depth, Joe, on like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, like it was proper political smart mark stuff. But luckily, because I listened to the Daily, I don't know if JP would agree, I managed to keep my head above water. And I could just about yeah. keep up with the uh, the two politically minded individuals and JP and David Starr. So that little bite-sized 15 to 20 minute little on my lunchtime walk, same time as you, Joel, uh, listen to the Daily every day. It did pay off in that uh, what could have been a really awkward social situation. I think he, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who, who would suffer bullshit merchants gladly. Yeah. Would he? Um, like, I, th- I think he'd pretty much say something along those lines. He did bloody well. Thank like, you, man. I, I would say. It. I would say. It sounds like a good podcast. It sounds like something I should. Uh, I should oh yeah, listen to and get on. It's your sort of thing, mate. And like New York Times, great coverage. Um, but yeah, these Trump speeches and the way that his perspective seems. Yes. Like once he was talking about himself as a wartime primate. Sorry, wartime president, and then within a couple of days, it was like. Yeah, it's going to be over soon. We're going to open up again soon. It's like, what the, f- what, what the fuck? Like, where's there any sort of like public reassurance in that? Un- Staggering, to be honest. His his thought process is is, is it's political, and um, in short terms, at the moment, it's hit obviously more densely populated areas, which tend to vote Democratic. They tend to be, you know, sort of more resemble the kind of multicultural society that we live in. Where it hasn't hit as much yet is kind of more of the um, Trump-leaning states, which would be probably lending a bit more rural and the rest of it. But it's working its way there. Like, that's one of the things about it. So he views this as a completely political response to it. Whereas I get the sense that with Boris Johnson, there's an element of like sort of like almost like really waking up to what the reality of the job is. And I said it in a kind of offhand way a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But if there's one thing I've learned... Voting really does have consequences. I'm sorry, it's not like about going on a political high horse. So, you know, we vote for leaders in these kind of situations. And then, you know, we get what we vote for in a way. So, you know, when I'm thinking of the NHS and I'm, you know, sorry to turn it into a political point about it at this stage, but underfunding of the NHS should never, ever ever be on the table again. But we regardless. gave them a nice clap, JP. We all stood outside our houses and clapped ah. them at 8 o'clock last week. You know, is that not enough? No. That's my fear, isn't it? Is is that people start to forget this stuff very, very quickly. Um, how many of them voted Tory at the last election? Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry, yeah. It's, is that it... a horrible thing to say at this point? Maybe it is, but mm. it's the reality of a lot of it. And, you know, how many of them voted Tory because... Some right wing, some right wing newspapers use some people who might be a different colour and speak a slightly different language with a slightly different English inflection to them, and they thought, oh, "I don't like these lot. Bye, let's get out." Mm. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of like 
I feel like my existence at the moment is kind of like, you know, it's one of confinement. It's one of closed borders. <laughs> I was thinking today. Yes. I much prefer, you know, a, a life of open borders where I can go where the fuck I want and do what the hell I want to do. But a, a lot of these kind of like Brexit times, I reckon they're enjoying this. It's like, well, the borders are closed more so than ever before because I can close yeah. the door to my house and only have to leave and walk around the local area every now and then. This is fantastic. Is that what they wanted? Probably. Like IT, ITV3 yeah. on the go. Barrage in the afternoon. Yeah, works out nicely. Yeah, peak practice on repeat, possibly. You know. Oh, peak oh exactly. Oh, that's a bad show. It's very ITV three. Yeah. It is. ITV four is like. I mean, it's got a better. It's got Minder, Alvida's own pet, the professionals. Like, if you're going back to those kind of seventies. Oh, mate, it was the first place, and I've been on a bit of a binge this week. Uh, it's the first place I ever watched King of New York ITV4, I remembered yesterday. I can remember, I remember that being on. It's not. Say it again. I can remember that being on. A few, again, we've mentioned it before. Like Those films that be on late at night a lot, King of New York was one. Like, where'd it be on at? Like, half 12 at night? On a... Oh, Ben, no, you're a King of New York fan, aren't you? Of course, of course. Yeah, I can imagine you loving Lawrence Fishburne as Jimmy Jump, right? <laughs> I'm a Frank White guy, <laughs> but yes, big fan. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The, oh, I, I used to love, I never knew what Biggie was on about when he used to call himself the Black, the Black Frank, Frank White. Yeah. And when I watched King of New York, probably around 2008, and was like, ah, it all makes so much sense now. <laughs> this is Frank White. Yeah. yeah. I've been on an Abel Ferrara binge over the weekend. So I rewatched King of New York the other day. What a what a film! Or I think I mistook like how good it was the first time I watched it. Fucking awesome! Plot holes are plenty. But, yeah, it gets written off because it's a bit pulpy. Oh, it is, it is. But there are some amazing scenes in there, and some of the performances are a bit hammy, but they're they're hammy in like the best way possible. Fishburne is Jimmy Jump. I was absolutely loving watching that again. If anyone needs a film to watch, King of New York. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, I watched it via the BFI player add-on on Amazon Prime, but absolute classic. Is Abel Ferreira involved in the... You know, because he did Bad Lieutenant, didn't he? Is he involved oh, in yeah. the remake with, with Nicholas Cage? Because I fucking no, love No, no, no. He, he pretended that... Uh, well, Werner Herzog directed that. That's right, yeah. And they Such asked Werner Herzog at a Q&A about the Abel Ferrara Bad Lieutenant, and he said, who's Abel Ferrara? And he didn't know he was. Which made <laughs> Abel Ferrara very angry, I remember. Wow. Yeah, that's bad. Jesus, bad oh. lieutenant. There, there is a film I haven't seen for quite some time. Fucking awesome, mate! Get back on it. That's what it's, it's, it's a time to go back and watch stuff like that, isn't it? Like I watched, I watched Truman Show at the weekend. I hadn't seen that in years. Obviously not in the oh, yeah. in, in the stratosphere of that. But you know, an underrated Jim Carrey performance. What else are you gonna yeah. do? There's nothing else to do right now, JP. Other than Football Manager, obviously. But you know, there, <laughs> there is that. I have been binging a lot of Thirty for Thirties over the past like kind of few days like almost like watching one a day mm. definitely so like and the, so my knowledge of what was going on in american college sports in the 90s is certainly a bit solid <laughs> um yeah and about cleveland sports as well which was which was jesus being a cleveland sports fan it, it's quite hard like mm. they're the only city where none of their three teams have ever won like a major trophy and there's no chance of them doing it realistically anytime soon. I think. The Cavs oh, did. Oh, the Cavs did have... win it, didn't they? Yeah. Sorry, it when was LeBron filmed before back. that stuff. So he was there, but he'd gone to. Um, oh, what was he? He was gone at to Miami, Miami at that point. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they they win it, don't they? Win it at the end of it. I'm sure I've seen that documentary, and I think they did a new version where they add the Cavs winning to one of the versions at the end. I didn't you know, see it. In them. Uh, you might have the uh, first first version, Jay. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the version I saw had a bit added on at the end. Mm. Oh, that was. Oh, I'm quite gutted now. I didn't see that because it was like it felt really sad at the end. Like this, this guy is is um, he's shown his kid around Cleveland as well. And it reminded me of the film Major League, which I ended up watching afterwards. I don't know if either of you have seen. It's a great baseball film, very foul mouthed, like eighty nine, ninety, like really. Wesley Snipes is in it. Um, oh, he's in King of New York as well, mate. He, yeah, I I think it's good time for a Snipes revival. I'm up oh, for it. Passenger fifty seven. <laughs> yeah, New Jack City. Yeah, what about what about Money Train? Oh, I love, oh, Money I Train. love that with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> with Woody and Harrelson. white men can't jump, obviously. But Money Train, I think, gets underrated in the grand scheme of things. Oh, I, oh, I am up for a Snipes re up. I'm adding Money, I'm adding Money Train for my, to my watch list for this weekend. It's been years since. That's another like late night on like, on BBC Two type of film. I'm adding that. I've got to watch that again. New Jack City. Underrated. Has you... he still got tax problems, Snipes? He was all over the shop a couple of years ago, wasn't he? Yeah, because he got out and then he's in the Expendables 3. And there's a bit where they ask him like where he's been. And he looks at the camera and just says tax evasion. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that was him announcing. Okay. Bit of breaking kayfabe. Announcing that he's back. You are. Pretty much true, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that, that yeah. didn't he go through? That was why he was making all, he made all those Blade remakes because it was just a money thing. Like he did that one with Triple H. Uh, was that like Blade <laughs> 4 or something like that? Oh, he had some hard good. times. Yeah, Blade Trinity. That's it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's Ryan it. Ryan Reynolds, it's not very good. Have Triple you ever seen Brooklyn's Finest? Uh, I haven't, no. I don't think that... I have. Oh, get on it. This film, I think, is... It's not great, but it's massively underrated in terms of how much fun it is. So it's Snipes and Don Cheadle. It's like two lads. Richard Gere is this flawed cop. Uh, who's like close to retirement and Ethan Hawke is this cop with loads of money issues so the person who cast it or the maybe the director or the writer clearly a massive fan of The Wire as well like Don Cheadle and uh, Wesley Snipes are these two guys who run this gang and there's a great scene where they you know they've been friends since childhood and they come up together and there's a great scene when they're on a rooftop bar sipping fine whiskey at a party and they're talking about back in the day I'm like, hmm, did you lift this scene directly from The Wire? Sounds familiar. And then then their two henchmen come in, and their two henchmen are Omar and Weebay from The Wire. <laughs> like, yes, this is a film. Like, this was made for me. Like, honestly, thoroughly recommend it. It's not a great film, but you'll have fun watching it. I it's done by the guy who directed Trading Day. Is it Antoine Fuqua? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Our Major League, JP. Sorry? That was Major League. So I remember watching it as a kid. I, I still found it really good fun. Um, it's not very woke. <laughs> like a lot of films around 1990, you're going in there going, all right, there's a couple of times you're going to raise your eyebrows. But rather like when you watch The Last Boy Scout, Joe. Mm. It, it King kind of, of New felt... York was not woke either, <laughs> but in the best <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Abel Ferrara's woke, put it that I, way. I don't think Driller Killer is, certainly. Jeez. Um, Bad Lieutenant certainly isn't woke. Right. <laughs> or if it is, it's a very odd postmodernist look at, at wokeism. Is it when he's sat round crying? Was he spinning in a circle with a bottle of vodka? Or music? Yeah. Those two people is having a party. Yeah. And you just think, yeah, all right, shit happens. Dick out as well at different yeah. points. But, yeah. And 
church. Major League is, was good fun, but then for the rest of like my time, I have to admit, going well into the football manager at this point, like having to stop myself at points, the addiction, <laughs> it's getting there. I can tell you, I, I'm super hands, and at party, you know, just trying to have a relaxing little bit of football manager, and then finding out it's a bit moorish afterwards, isn't it? Because that's re- really what it's like. Um, yeah. Man, it just got through to what is something that's going to be coming up in the next year. Didn't have a fucking clue what it was. But the Europa Conference League, which is like a third tier European competition. Oh, that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've qualified for that. So I've kept everyone happy. I got Anamida back on another year's loan, which was good stuff. Got these two brothers from Man City called the Illiches. That's fucking awesome. One's Any the relation to the Sasa? I'd like to think there is kids. Like, right. But a couple of honestly, one's a really good attacking midfielder. The other one's um, a really good um, defensive midfielder. Who have we beaten? We beat we beat Malmo to get through there. Who we beat Hadrick Split. Like lost twice in the league this year. This is the third year going for the Champions League stuff. But yeah, I've got group stages afterwards, so we need to get a shift on tonight because I'd like <laughs> to get through them all. So <laughs> what are your, what are your league finishes so far? Second and second. Okay. First two years. That's good going. I've built a very young squad. But I cut a couple of the old boys out. The fella who had coronavirus, let you know, <laughs> he's retiring now, but he's joining the coaching staff. Oh, that's good. And I'm, trying, I'm paying six grand a time to get him through his coaching badges quickly. He's also like my subkeeper. He's a good lad, Alan Manners. He's all right. <laughs> he had a bit of a wobble around the coronavirus, but well, got him through it. It's a tough time, yeah. JP. We're all struggling. It still happens, still <laughs> randomly. Three members of the youth squad this year came down with it. I don't play them, I really wasn't bothered. But um, it hit my new signing from Celtic, Barry Coffey. He got it. He'd only just arrived within two weeks. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sakes, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, coronavirus all like, still all over the place. But then at the same time, um, on Football Manager and the version I have, Britain haven't left the EU. Oh, is it this, says that. Is this football manager or is it championship manager? Which of the two is? Sorry, it's football manager. It is, yeah. Right, yeah. The proper one. Right. Yeah, yeah. The sports interactive one. Mm. So, Brexit normally happens and there's all these restrictions around young players and stuff like that, um, that that normally come into the game. But then occasionally, on some of the games, it will just go, nope, they've decided not to do it, which doesn't really affect me because I'm in Ireland, which is rather like real life having an Irish passport in that sense, isn't it? Um Sounds very self self centered there, um, but at the same, yeah. So it's been really good fun, football manager this well, week. Yeah, uh, doing all right. I have to get some screenshots. Oh, please do, please do. We'll put them in the episode oh, images. There was there was one of the things I got a quote. It was on the social media feed, accusing me of like turning on the manager after the game, like a heel turn. I was like, the "Fuck is this? Like that's a bit too prescient for my tastes." <laughs> Little. Little taste of Westworld there, I think, through the PC. Uh, I love how it's getting ideas of its ideas ahead of itself. I love how into it you are, JP. It's like when I used to I used to play EWR, and I do like there was a time where I do like a Brit Res version, and I actually included oh, yeah. like a, a couple of people I know, like I booked on in, on my, in my fair, like like Sam Bailey and my mate Cy Valor who was arrested. I remember signing in for like my bum fuck indie in the US, 
And then every time, like, if he was he was performing badly, I remember distinctly, and I was trying to push him, and I couldn't get him over. And I remember, like, I saw him in real life, and I could feel, you know, that I, I was just looking at him going, why, why, am I, why am I feeling angry at him right now? And it was like, no, it's literally because in the game he's annoyed me, and in real life I'm, I'm carrying those feelings over. Um, so I, I, could, I can see how real it can get uh, when you try and do that. But, like, oh, it's, it's crack. TW, like the, the EWR mm. successor, the 2020 version. How I wish it was out already, but like pretty good timing that the 2020 version, the first version in four years, is coming out on the 23rd. So like we've got less than three weeks to go uh, and the trial version comes out. Like I, if we're still in this situation in three weeks, I'm going to be the same. I am going to be losing myself in, a, in an AW save, pretending I'm big tone. Signing Eddie <laughs> Kingston and all my favourite wrestlers and uh, just go and spare on that. I actually can't wait. I, I look forward to... I haven't, do you know what? I've played it kind of sporadically, but I've never thrown myself into it. Mm. And I think this time round, it appears to be that the fates have kind of convened by Jesus, that stage. Jesus, you're going to... Mate, you're going to have football manager and EWR on the go at the same time. I won't have that on the go at the same time. I'm basically only doing the Shamrock Rovers job because it's high profile enough that I can get the Ireland job, but an organic way that means Stephen Kenny doesn't get sacked. So, like, I'm actually thinking about Irish football while I'm doing it as well. And giving myself you're going to be, in the meantime. But you're going to be like proper Tony Khan. Like, you're going to be running a football club while also running a wrestling company by the sound of things. If you get on the EWR game... Well, he makes it look like a piece of piss, doesn't he, Tone? Doesn't, doesn't appear to sleep or fuck all. So, <laughs> well, I suppose he's not got to think about the football at the moment, has he? Oh. Well, exactly. Oh, did you One see the photo thing. of him and uh, was it Gareth Southgate that, that, was at, uh, that was on Twitter? Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's going to the images as I well. I would have preferred one with him and, I don't know, Alexander Petrovic when Petrovic was on the, I don't know, on the Raz in West London somewhere what? for like the Fulham Christmas party rather than Gareth Southgate. When you've, <laughs> Like that instead. I tell you what, I would you think of you thinking of Mitrovic, mate. Mitrovic, who did like Petrovic? I know that <laughs> he was is. a fancy football legend, Mitrovic. But like, I like, I would have preferred for that photo that we had last week of uh, of what we thought was Big Tone in the crowd at Spring Stampede '94 to be him. He he told a, a source close to the podcast uh, directly that it wasn't him. I'm still, you know, uh, I feel like he'd be about the right age. I didn't feel like it looked out like him so much. Was the one thing I'd say. But uh, he claimed to not be there, but I don't know. I don't know if Big Tone's just working us here. Yeah, typical smart Mark. I like it. He's working us. Good <laughs> lad. He was there. He was fucking there. He knows it and I know it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that was fun, though. What I do that WCW show. I did that. Uh, I wanted to throw a clarification. Oh. Alan Farrell wanted me to, uh, to clarify uh, last week when I said that he was one of the, uh, the fake tanners. Uh, he was a sunbed tanner <laughs> like me. He wasn't a fake tan spray tan kind of guy what's the difference well you know there's the 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 the, the, the tanner reefs of the world are where you'd go and you'd sit on an actual sunbed <clears> and you'd make yourself yeah. go a bit pink whereas i think alan was saying it sounded like we were saying he was getting one of those spray tans which uh yeah we, we oh, wouldn't want to wouldn't want to uh, do down the, his good the, reputation all the same for me man all the same <laughs> I, I, I don't see any hard, hierarchy or categorization of fake tanning <laughs> JP, are you in t- do you categorise fake tan? I can't see you knowing too much about it. No, I, I never have. And I can't see a situation where I'll have to, really. No, no, it's hard to imagine the chain of events that leads to me. <laughs> well, I need You're to wrestling, go for a I'd, No, I'd be going in there pasty, Seamus style. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> I'll be doing that instead. Amazing. 
yeah, anyway, on the subject of last week's shows, mm. what I'll say is I thought that as a week of shows, the the first show we did last week was the absolute worst show we'd ever done. <laughs> Personally, I thought it was utter shit. I hated, I hated it and was like, oh, I was not in the mood to do that. I think it was that Boris Johnson announcement that occurred just before it. And then <laughs> that WCW but... show we did, I thought was maybe the best show we ever did. It was certainly one of the ones I've enjoyed the most, that's for sure. So, yeah, a week of... Uh, Highs and lows on a podcasting perspective. Yeah, if anyone hasn't listened to it, obviously it is uh, is on the feed. I think there were there's still people who who want to watch Spring Stampede and then go back and what on and listen to. Oh, it. Oh, they should. Yeah, they yeah, should. It's a hell of a time. Martin was a great guest as well. Like, I love. Really we got we got loads of um, replies on Twitter of people about the uh, oh, really? JP about the uh, the vi- mainly about the the video uh, situation in the nineties yeah. and how different people were getting oh, yeah. stuff. A lot of um, fans of, of, of watching it on like the German TV uh, and watching it on DSF. Like it was bringing it was bringing like it was bringing back some memories to me of like I didn't mention it on the podcast, but a big thing for me was. When it was on D- when like ECW and WCW were on DSF, like I never really knew when it was on, but like sometimes you tune in and you get lucky and you get like like JP was saying, you get like the the German commentary like over the the, the English version. But the other thing it was useful for, and we I mentioned this when we did our live show in Germany, was like the teletext. For me, like before the ah. internet, before I was even reading Power Slam. I was I was doing German at GCSE in school, and I would go onto the German teletext, and I get all my wrestling spoilers. I learned that <laughs> X Pac was jumping back to WWE from the German teletext. I can go back as far as to say when um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jumped to WCW and started the NWO. I remember there being a story about these about Diesel and Razor Ramon invading WCW. It was it was honestly it was the dirt sheets before the dirt sheets the uh, the DSF teletext. I don't know if uh, you had any experience of that, JP. But were you a teletext man? Oh, always, yeah. I mean, three oh two. Yeah, mainly for football. Yeah, three oh two, three oh one for the headlines if you were killing time. Um, three two oh, that was another sport, wasn't it? Mm. But never like there was another wrestling one that was on. It might have been on Sky, and it would just take a like, it would be, um, it would have a bit of that stuff. But at that point in time, when you were probably on teletext for that, I wonder if I was. I would have been more about the magazines. Mm. And so it would have gone into superstars of wrestling from after the app to mags. So there was that. And then the, those bloody hotlines, as we talked about on the show as well, oh, that yeah. you'd get in power slam, that you'd end up ringing up. And then, and that was the thing that kind of ended up really sort of smarting it up. Mm. Um, I can remember the first one I rung up is what, how I found out about Rick Rude being in WCW going in as the, as the Halloween phantom. Um, but yeah, back to, um, in terms of that show, yeah, really enjoyed doing it. And, you know, we were talking about it before we were recording of some other shows that we'd like to look at and maybe do the same thing. And mm. um, got a couple of, I've got a couple of what could be horrific ideas um, <laughs> to go along with that. Um, what well, do you reckon about no... Legends of Wrestling show? <laughs> you know what? what show? I don't think I've ever the seen one with Legends Jake of Wrestling. Like, what show's that? This is the one Legends from, of... like, the, what year was it? Like, 98, 99, JP? Maybe later? Yeah, it, was like, it in... would have been... Sorry, I'm just saying. The first time I heard about it was Power Slam ripping into it as the worst show of the year. But but I don't think they ever properly covered it. But it's the show where isn't it like Jake the Snake turns up drunk and there's all. It's basically like a a retro show, but in like the 90s. I'm pretty sure JP and like yep. all, all of the basically all of these washed up early 90s and 80s stars turned up and half of them are either wasted or can't move or yeah, it's widely regarded. I think it's one of the worst shows of all time. 
Is it that Herb Abrams promotion? Ah, uh, no, that's the UWF. That's the yeah, one that yeah. Steve Williams won, and they had um, a pay-per-view, something brawl. I'm trying to yeah, yeah. Foley that. covers it in his book, doesn't he? Aren't Viceland doing a documentary on it coming up? They're covering Herb Abrams. Yeah, I, yeah. You hear some of the stories about him, about him just being, he was a bit of a maniac, sort of big cokehead. He would go out there and he was commentator as well. And yeah, it was just sort of a bit of a mess, but it had Steve Dr. Death Williams as its champion. Mm. There were like some decent wrestlers there. I think it's all now on the network at this point. Again, I'd have to see what their major show is, but to be honest with that, and you mentioned it in terms of the way the dark side of the ring started off with, with its first episode, I've, I've kind of got a bit of faith about how it's going to be covering um, the Herb Abrams story and some of the other interesting stuff. I think they're going to, I think they're going to do it possibly a bit of justice and Herb Abrams is just, as a lighter episode, obviously from the Benoit one, it's possibly a, a kind of good one to have in there. Mm. Well, we've got uh, Jimmy Snooker and Nancy Argentino coming up as well. So you know. <laughs> and is Owen it, Hart. Is it New Jack the next episode? Is that, that's next week, isn't New it? New Jack's the next that, one. That, that, On that, a personal that... level. <laughs> that's going to be hilarious. Up. Also terrible, but hilarious. Like, he's got a book coming out this year, and I'm terrified about what's going to be in that book. He's a well, he's still not Denzel, but he can always be Denzel's mate, can't he? <laughs> Hopefully I think he's more of a snipe sort of bloke, and he uh, knew Jack. Yeah, I'd say oh, so. God, yeah. Oh, do, do He'd have done well if he was in the wire. If you had like you know David oh. Simon working with yes. him. Yes, get a get a bit of realism in there. Get New Jack in there. Get Mustafa as like the uh, as, <laughs> as like his bodyguard. I'd be into that. Uh, well, do, do you want to talk about it now? We we're going to talk about it later anyway. But while we're on mm. Secrets of the Ring, do you want to talk the uh, the, the the rest of the memoir episodes? We kind of only yeah. Really, talk, I know it's a it's a bit of a downer of a story considering how down the outside world is right now. But like, what a documentary it was! Like that was mm. like one of the one of the best. Like we were saying, I don't know, we were saying. I think last year we reviewed the Kenny Omega documentary. and We were talking the best wrestling documentaries of all time. But like so many of these individual Dark Side of the Ring episodes are like so so good, like top level stuff. And this yeah, this this Benoit one parts one and two. Now that we've seen the full thing, like this is. Probably the best coverage I've seen of this story outside of maybe Meltzer's live coverage at the time. Like, what a documentary it was. And I think it was the strongest of the Dark Side of the Ring series as well. That's including all the series one. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's such a difficult uh, subject to kind of tackle as well. And, you, you know, you've got to do it with a proper sensitivity at the same time. And I thought that as a documentary, it was quite objective. I like mm. the way that they kind of treated... Um, um, I can't think of his son's name, David Benoit as well. Yes. And actually made him a sympathetic figure and actually made uh, him and uh, Nancy's sister the kind of focus point and the kind of victims of this entire story. I thought that was actually a really good move. Mm. And I thought there was some really good B-roll that they shot with them towards the end as well, like the stuff with Jericho, the stuff with them enjoying what looked like it was an AEW show I think as it well. was um, All In. I think that's what it was. Oh, yeah. So they might have been the two people yeah. in the building who knew Jericho was coming out. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was uh, really well put together. And, you know, I watched it <clears throat> straight after we finished recording the WCW episode. Oh. So I came out of that WCW episode on a bit of a high, loving the episode, and then uh, brought myself right back down to earth 
by watching that documentary. And uh, I'm not going to lie, it did shed a tear at the end. When uh, David Benoit sort of breaks down, he's talking about it, and Chavo comes and calms him down. I, I love the fact they included that in there mm. because it really was a great way of showing the impact, but also like what he's sort of had through that process. Like He mentions Chavo and Jericho kind of supporting him. It sort of showed that in action. I thought that was a really great bit of footage to actually include in there because it made me really sympathise, really empathise with well, the plight that he's had to go through the last 13 years without a brother and a dad and having to know kind of what he did. Like, imagine that he was your dad. Imagine watching wrestling yeah. after that. Fucking hell. I struggled just as yeah. a fan. Like, we're going to talk about that, but I struggled just to, just to kind of... Benoit was like Mr... I hate using the term internet wrestling community, but like a certain type of fan, like our type of fan, Benoit was the poster boy, wasn't he? So it was like, it was horrible as it was as a real life tragedy, but as far as trying to watch wrestling afterwards, I Mm. found it difficult. But yeah, I'd imagine it was your dad. Like, I found that with like, I thought David Benoit was like, like I've done it myself probably. Like he'd been, unfortunately, even the punchline of jokes, hasn't he? You know, because he looks so much like his dad and it... It was always a, you know, it came across a bit creepy when you see photos of him at WWF events and Jericho was trying, like, you watch this documentary and it's like, God, thank God for people like Jericho and Chavo who were in his life, like this this poor kid who's had this this terrible time and he's had, like, the wrestling industry in general turned the back on him, mainly probably because he looks so much like his dad and probably because, you know, he obviously still... You know, Caesar's dad as, as like this hero as came across in the documentary. Like I was, I was glad of the documentary, like you said there, Joe, to see this, to see him, to see Nancy's sister, to like put a, a human face, I suppose, on the like the the non wrestling yeah. element of it, because like they're the important people, aren't they, JP? Exactly, because they're the people who actually have the kind of the victimhood. Like for a lot of us, we saw the stories, and we're going to go into that stuff in terms of how we found out, and and you know, kind of really where you were as a wrestling fan when when that happened because it was just it was so horrific at the time mm. and but at the same time like it's in the case of his other son that was something that was never really discussed at that point in terms of her sister and they're the people with the human face on this and they have to live with this and they have to live with the reality of it and the fact of his father and he mentions about you know how conflicted he is and i think that's where the documentary kind of succeeds because there's a there's a load of different avenues that it has to kind of nego- has to kind of negotiate. So obviously you've got that kind of human element of his son and the sister and his closest friends as well, and about the the reactions that that they had. Then at the same time, you've got to tell the story of Chris Benoit, the wrestler, in terms of why this was a big deal, the kind of work ethic aspect to him, the thing that kind of ultimately made him the great wrestler as possibly being the thing that killed him at the same time, that kind of obsession. So it's telling that story as well at the same time. And then it's looking at like different causes for it and different explanations. And it had mentioned that domestic abuse was part of it. Um, and so it wasn't just a case where you could blame it all on the CTE or blame it all on the roid rage that in fact that there was like, there could have been a, a very complex series of factors that, that were playing a role in all of this. And it negotiates all of that quite well. And like as we mentioned last time, the production values are taken up. It's it's really well edited and it really keeps up a pace. And I know this is it's bleak, but it is very very good. And I get why some people just wouldn't want to watch it and don't want to 
particularly relive it. But I mean, I thought, yeah, by far and away, it was the best thing they've done as this part as part of this series as well. Mm. And I think he got did the highest ratings in Vice Land's history as well. So, you know, this is something I don't think that's going to be going away anytime soon. And you know, we, you know, on an, on a slightly unrelated note, it wouldn't surprise me. And there's always rumours that they might be interested in New Japan footage. And to be honest, the way they kind of handle and the way they produce this. It might be somewhat of a good fit for them. Oh that's yeah, a different think, side note. But... Yeah, I think that's a great shout, JP. I think you know, doing a sort of a wrestling evening where you could have one of these documentaries with some New Japan afterwards, great lead and potentially great way of advertising it. Really positive relationship with New Japan, I think potentially. But going back to the documentary as mm. well, I thought one of the things you said, JP, they covered all the angles mm. of the story as well. But I really liked the use of Eddie as well throughout this. Yeah. And there's that this almost like this sort of like w- the portrayal of Eddie it makes him seem even more sort of innocent and pure, <laughs> even though he's not. Because what Benoit did was just like the most heinous crime you could possibly ever commit. Yeah. But the way it actually paints the relationship, the use of Vicky Guerrero, I thought she was amazing throughout yeah. these documentaries. I thought the first one, she kind of stole the show, if anything. Not that this is the kind of show, you, you know, that's you, no, you're there to you're steal. But yeah. I think in terms of yeah. her stories, the emotion... Her relationship with Nancy as well, which I knew nothing about. Yeah. It was pretty amazing, I gotta say, and pretty raw, and yet yeah, not an easy watch on any level. But I thought the selection of actual interviewees that they got was pretty spot on. And I'd like to have heard from Meltzer because he was so good at covering the story of the time. And I thought it was a shame he wasn't there. Mm. But other than that, even getting someone like a Nowinski in and getting that angle across that Nowinski spoke about regarding his conversations with Benoit, mm. I thought that was kind of fascinating because it sort of told you that he was acknowledging the problem. He was interested in his own personal problem. But, uh, yeah, it only got so far because then this occurred, obviously. Mm. Yeah, I was but... going to say there was one other point in the documentary that I thought was fantastic, and it was something that... that, that um, I know that a lot of people can remember from that Benoit Memorial show is going into the stuff with the with Regal in terms of Jericho and explaining oh, that. Oh yeah, fact. it's written all over his face, so isn't it? Like a couple of minutes, but when I think of the Benoit stuff in that broader context and seeing that Benoit Memorial show, it was the Regal thing of like this sits very different from how everyone else is reacting to this, um, and then him explaining the story of actually he lived you know, reasonably close by and he'd heard things. And at that point, Jericho goes, oh God, there's like the kind of dawning reality that actually this might be really horrible. Mm. Yeah, I think we all went through that. Like that was, that was something I wanted to talk about because your documentary is incredible. Like honestly, anyway, I think there's probably people who've even skipped this selection of the podcast when I put the show notes out because it is such a, it's a tough thing yeah. mentally to 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 want to hear discussed or, or like watch especially discussed. at the moment, isn't it? Oh Jeez. yeah, definitely. But I mean, I would say for the documentary, like I said last week, I like that you know they didn't shy away from how the Eddie Guerrero story is st- so tied to the Benoit story, and in a lot of ways, like their friendship and like you said, you know, J- uh, Nancy and and uh, Vicky's relationship kind of humanized the story more than anything. Um, like it made uh, <laughs> stupid side note, but like. There was a point, like, Chavo Guerrero, like, he's not one of my favourite wrestlers. Like, he, he got to a point where, I understand that, like, I understand, you should understand anyway. You know, he's had a 
horrible run of it. Um, and you can understand why maybe he lost his, his passion for wrestling. You know, there was a point where, you know, he was turning up in Lucha Underground, he was turning up in Impact, and he just wasn't really putting a shift in. And he really, really wasn't one of my favourite wrestlers. To the point where I think I spent a lot of time on Twitter slagging him off. To the point where I think he blocked me on Twitter. And literally after watching this documentary, I went on Twitter and deleted all my old tweets about Chavo Guerrero. Like, I know that's a stupid thing to do. And it means absolutely oh. nothing. But I genuinely felt bad. I was watching it thinking like, oh, what a fucking dick I was. Like, like I never knew that. Like, did you know that he found Eddie Guerrero? Like, that was the, the full yeah, story. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know. Like, and obviously... He's so tied to the Benoit thing as well. He came across as such a sympathetic figure in this. Like you're just like, ah, oh. imagine going through this and still then still wrestling, and then <clears> still <throat> doing you know working for WWE where they have like uh, heels running angles about how Eddie Guerrero's in hell and having Vicky Guerrero out there as a heel just because she's Vicky Guerrero. Like I, I would struggle to like even be involved in wrestling at this point. Like. Yeah, like, from my personal point of view, like we, we all talked about it there, like, from where we were at the time, all the Benoit stuff happened, like, I I would say it genuinely affected my fandom for a couple of years, I don't know if you, you two were the same, did you carry on watching wrestling right through, did it, did it make you take stocks, you hear that from a lot of people, like, I think all of us as wrestling fans are, uh, you know, we, we pretty much, we're lifelong wrestling fans and we've been watching it for years, everyone's got those little dark periods where maybe they didn't pay attention for a couple of years but the amount of people you hear from who like yeah Benoit was it for me I had to just check out for a couple of years I couldn't I couldn't enjoy this stuff would you would you two categorize yourself as that did you carry on watching where were you at the time it all happened well I was at that point in time um I was I mean I was a young dad so like for me it happened and I was kind of in terms of wwe at that point in time i'd started to go really the early 2000s of not really watching it too much or watching it somewhat sporadically because i think there was a lot of the booking of the invasion angle had kind of really started to make me kind of sour on things with them um so i kind of was sporadically around i was reading more of the reaction and i think i was more like kind of following the story per se but in terms of watching wwe I'd, I'd, I'd maybe say something about me. I I kind of didn't watch it any more, any less than what I was doing at the time. But then I wasn't really a hardcore. I, I really wasn't a hardcore um, fan at that point in time, because I think the Eddie and Benoit reign at the top had kind of come and gone. So it had gone into kind of what was really kind of silly mode. I mean, at that point in time, they were doing the storyline about, I think, I, I would have watched that Raw that would have been on because it would have been the one with uh, Vince McMahon, who killed Vince McMahon mm. and that whole story. Um, so I would have watched that. So I was aware of what was going on, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't find myself sort of not really watching as much, but I completely understand those who did. Mm. did. Like Is that still- because TNA was just on fire at that point as well? <laughs> well, there was that, wasn't it? You know, I was distracted. Um I was going to say, there's always good old Double J to get you out of a bind. <laughs> always. Were you watching at the time, Joe? Sorry, but was you, was you asking me that, Ben? I'm yeah, sorry. were you watching at the time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I was uh, well in at the time. Uh, <clears throat> like, yeah, I was hugely devastated by this. Like, mm. really kind of affected. 
Um, I remember finding out on because I remember he didn't turn up for the pay per view, mm. and he was meant to face Punk. And for me, like at this point, like Benoit was like my favorite wrestler, like ever yep. at this point in time. And like if I was to rank like my favorites at that point in time, it would have been like Benoit, uh, Brian. CM Punk, uh, Samoa Joe, you know, all the Ring of Honor guys, uh, the kind of workers in WWE at that point in time. And Benoit for me was still like absolutely number one. And I was so excited for Benoit CM Punk at that point in time. Um, and I remember him not turning up on the pay-per-view and sort of being a bit confused, like wondering what was going on. I remember speculation about it online. And I can remember it sort of happening. It's like find out at sort of ten o'clock, eleven o'clock on like the Monday evening, and just being like, "Oh my god, he's dead!" Running into my brother's room, shouting that Benoit had died, waking him up <laughs> with that announcement. My dad getting angry because I was being loud late at night. Uh, one of that, one of those sort of situations. And then, like, not being able to sleep because I was like, how the fuck has he died? Mm. And just, like, constantly, like, refreshing, like, the Death Valley Driver forum, uh, like, Benoit is dead or whatever, Fred, and the one on the Raja forums as well, trying to find out what was going on, not really getting any answers. And I remember waking up the next day, down, I, would, I would have been downloading Raw at the time. Yeah. Uh, I remember downloading Raw, watching the start of it, like over breakfast or whatever, I had a driving lesson that I was due to go on. And I remember before the driving lesson, I looked at the Death Valley Driver Forum again and found out, I think by that point, it had been announced what had happened and how he had basically committed this double murder, uh, suicide, and being like, oh my God, like being completely crushed finding it weird watching this tribute show where you're watching all these guys crying, being really spooked out by the regal bit. And I remember going on this driving lesson and I was, you know, making some good progress at the time, I remember. And my God was all of my progress undone in that one lesson (laughs) because I could not concentrate. I was fucking everything up. The driving instructor stopped me and asked me if someone was wrong. And I made up a complete lie about having a late, problems at that point in time <laughs> and how that sounds like your period <laughs> pants or something <laughs> oh, oh yeah that's a bit. I should have phrased it differently but how I was transitioning at that point mate um <laughs> that's not very well uh, there was something about uh, I made something up about like how I had a problem with this girl and how it was all on my mind and how like, heartbroken I was because I could not tell my driving instructor yeah. that I couldn't drive properly because my favorite wrestler had killed his wife and his son and himself and i was crushed because benoit was like my hero Mm. at that point in time so we finished the lesson early and i remember i had a shift at sainsbury's that followed that and my god i couldn't work there either i remember my manager having a go at me for uh, not stacking shelves well enough obviously you know <laughs> not getting enough items out on the shelves quickly enough and all the rest of it because obviously you know food being on shelves in a fully stocked supermarket is the most important thing in the world and the world's going to come to an end if you know we don't spend 
14 hours a day, six hours unpaid if you're a manager stacking a shelf in a supermarket. But that's a different story for my time at Sainsbury's. But I also remember sitting down at the back. It's like the... right a good few years later, wasn't it? About <laughs> During this period. It doesn't play yeah, it really well at this time, does it? But yeah. I remember sitting in, sitting in like the chiller where we used to put all the food, just like looking really glum and just thinking about this whole situation how devastated it was and thinking i can't ever watch a chris benoit match again yeah. i was really upset and i remember the manager coming in and asking me if there was a problem because i wasn't myself that day so yeah to say i was affected by this uh death mm. is a bit of an understatement almost embarrassing to look back oh. on like how much this really got to me because it really, really did at the time. And you know what? I didn't watch a Benoit match for years afterwards. Yeah. Like, I can't remember how long the gap was, mm. but it took me a while to watch one. And then I came up, my, I had a rule that I would impose around Benoit matches where I would only watch a Benoit match if I was watching a show, like an older show, mm. where there was a Benoit match that was on the card. I wouldn't go out of my way and go, like search out a Benoit match to watch, for example. Yeah. Like I have done that in recent years. I'm all right with it now. Um, but for years, I wouldn't have done that. Same. Like, yeah, I, recently I've been able to watch him, but, like, yeah, same. Like, uh, your story echoes mine a lot. Like, uh, uh, for, for me, like, I think the big element there, like you said there, was Benoit was, was Mr. Smart Wrestling fan, wasn't he? Like, he was the gold standard of what fans like us wanted. Like, every wrestler that you liked, you wanted to be as good as Benoit. And then him, of all people, like, did this and it made it it made it tough for me to even watch wrestling like the way i found out about it like it wasn't like you mentioned there about you know your, your dad getting annoyed for you waking sam up like i remember when owen harp died and i lived at home and my mum woke me up and told me the news but like with this this was like during the period when i was training slash wrestling for gpw like in the middle of 2007 and i was living here pretty much on my own um and i for whatever reason, didn't watch the pay-per-view on the Sunday night, probably because it was a WWF pay-per-view, uh, and I wasn't hugely into it even at that point in my life. Like, And I went to work the next day, because I think I had an early night that Sunday night, and I went to work the next day, and it was like midway through the day before I even found out it happened. Like, I can't even imagine that happening now with Twitter and the, the number of other ways I would have would have found the news out, but I just remember some random in work going, oh, what's, what's the deal with that wrestler dying? And I was like, what? Huh? And like immediately, similar to you saying mm -hmm. Death Valley Driver, Joe, I was on the UK Fan Forum. And I, I reckon I spent like a solid two weeks on the UK Fan Forum at that point, both in work and at home, like following the stories that developed as, oh, yeah, as more same. came out. And you're just discussing it in general, like it's almost like therapy, because that's kind of like what you needed, like going through it. But like for me, like it came at such a weird point in my life, because at that point... I'd been at wrestling training for a couple of years and I'd kind of just, I'd fell out of love with it a little bit. I hadn't done very well. It wasn't going as well as I hoped. And I think I was already on my way out, but I will always point to Benoit as a point where it just kind of changed my my perspective on wrestling, the way I looked at wrestling. Wrestling felt dirty. Like, it, it, I didn't mm. watch WWE or any wrestling, I'd say, the entirety of 2008. I would say maybe, and part of that was the fact that, you know, I tried to get into wrestling myself and it failed miserably and maybe there was a little bit of feeling sorry for myself there as well but like just watching it just in general just felt it felt dirty and watching like a, a davy richards try and do benoit tribute spots or watching oh, any yeah. yeah any wrestlers like that who were influenced by by benoit 
just felt wrong and it was just a, a really really odd period like I, I think like 2009 i started listening to rbr's uh, wrestling podcast just for something to do in work and it kind of got me back into things and by like 2011 summer of punk all that stuff i was i was banged back into it again but like yeah it was a combination of things for me but I, like the benoit thing proper weighed heavy for me and made it it just made the fact that WWE carried on you know they did the show sunday they did the tribute show monday and they just carried on on the loop doing house shows doing their regular shows you know nothing changed there was no stop all of the steroid stuff came out they made embarrassments of themselves all over fox news and you know the diff- the likes of ken anderson coming out and saying that, oh there's no steroids in wrestling and they're getting popped for steroids a couple of days later that entire yeah. like cloudy storm of just scummy wrestling people like genuinely just like just maybe feel icky about wrestling and it did take a couple of years i'd say for my fandom to come back yeah i remember uh nancy grace do you remember her being all over oh, the oh god remember... she was all over erin geraldo yeah and i remember watching the clips and just being like oh this is awful i remember jericho doing like an ab him and Meltzer doing like an jericho especially doing an amazing job doing like the circuit on these talk shows like it almost felt like because Jericho wasn't wrestling at the time, was he? And it almost felt like he felt there was some sort of like responsibility on his head as like an intelligent wrestler who has a presence on television and who can speak eloquently about wrestling. It was like he felt that it was his duty to go and kind of talk down the likes of Mark Merrow mm. and all of these fucking oh, idiots because of this horror. misinformation that was kind of out there about this and yeah it was horrible kind of seeing all of these clips come up and then I had a lot of my mates ask me about this as well and they all knew Benoit was because they'd watched back in the day uh, and it was almost like oh that stupid wrestling stuff that you like look what it turns these people into sort of thing it was like ah oh, I sort of get why you're saying that but yeah it wasn't a good time at all um yeah, I don't know. Wasn't uh, yeah. At least JP had Jeff Jarrett to keep him coming. <laughs> I, I was going to make a point of, of. It's interesting hearing you two say about in terms of how much it affected you, and I don't know. Sorry, you always come back to the age thing. I can remember so many wrestlers that I really liked in the nineties just dying before that. There were yeah. just so many who seemed to go, and therefore I'm not saying I become desensitized to it. But no, to I get a certain it. Degree, there was a sense of desensitization, and as I'm not saying it was desensitized to Benoit because it was clearly the worst of them of yeah. all of these things, and that was like, oh my god! Like at this, and at that point, realizing as well, and sort of being aware of the history of wrestling and the life and how people didn't look after themselves and stuff like that. Like in some ways, it kind of left me like kind of numb to it, and I'm still numb to it to a degree where I've got such a deep cynicism about large parts of wrestling and you know the the kind of more carnyish kind of aspect of it which you always think with Vince yeah the show must go on as he's literally doing at the moment as well during a pandemic i mean that's something that he doesn't stop for anything mm. really um but yeah it's, it, it's interesting hearing you two talk about it in that in that way uh, well, I get it from your point of view, JP, because you got to think, I was 20. Uh, I was on my yeah. summer off between my second and my third year of uni. I didn't really have a lot going on <laughs> at yeah. the time. 
Like, I was a massive wrestling fan, watched a lot of wrestling at this point, was discovering a lot of wrestling at this point, spent a lot of time on wrestling forums at this point in time as well. Like, yeah, a lot of my kind of, I suppose, like, identity was channeled through wrestling at this point in time. You could maybe say not my outward identity because I didn't have any mates who liked wrestling really at the time who I could speak to about it. But, yeah, it was, um, I suppose, a lot more closer Mm. to me, whereas... You were what, almost thirty, couple of kids. Yeah. Like I think if this was to happen now, I think my reaction would be very different. Same. What with age and what with like having a lot more going on in in my life, as you know, mm-hmm. the kind of like span of life and it sort of takes hold and your experiences to take hold. But yeah, as a twenty-year-old, it really kind of ro- and a quite an immature twenty-year-old as well. Yeah, quite an immature thirty-three-year-old, if anything. <laughs> but yeah, like, I was I was an immature twenty-three-year-old at the time as well, and I was yeah. my life like I could say I was trying to be a wrestler at that point, so my entire life was wrestling at that point. So I think that probably plays into it too. Uh, you know, into my kind of maybe just turning away from the wrestling business in general and mm. realizing how scuzzy it could be both through the Benoit story and through some some real life experiences as well but yeah i do wonder yeah if it happened today it probably we'd be doing a podcast about it and we would you know carry on with me um yeah i think part of it though was you know at that time dudubi was the only prominent you know western wrestling promotion wasn't it you know there yep. wasn't even like there was a a strong indie scene at that point ring of honor was on its way down uh, at least for me, you know, I'd fell out of love with that as well. I think Joe, you were still, you were still a bit into Ring of Honor, weren't you? At that I point, I stuck until the when, when did I stop? Uh, the last show I went to was in uh, Mania weekend in two thousand and eight, and then I stopped after that. But yeah. I kind of was falling away from it anyway at that point. Yeah, so I think if I was watching more stuff, maybe I would have, you know, carried on with that just because WWE felt horrible. Didn't mean maybe the rest of wrestling had to feel horrible, but. Yeah, it would be interesting, you know, if we hopefully we never get a story like this in modern times, but how, you know, the, the fandom would deal it, with it today. It is an interesting one, though, now you say that, because I do think maybe my sort of interest at this point in time peaked mm. by this point, and maybe it wasn't a downswing, because, yeah, I sort of stopped watching Ring of Honor not too long afterwards, and then I was just sort of left watching, really, WWE and maybe the occasional bit of TNA for mm. quite some time after this. Oh, of course, TNA kind of... existed. I apologise for saying there was no alternative. <laughs> Sorry, JP, I didn't mean Scott, anything by Scott that. Scott Demora's booker then, <laughs> I think. It was, you know, it was, yeah. it was unfortunate. It was probably their creative peak at that point in time. And he's back now as well. Uh, but I was just going to say, on the, on the documentary as well, like, you know, we all mentioned that they're, like, following the news as it happened. And, uh, and I wasn't reading The Observer at the time, but was getting, like, the second-hand information through the forums, which I'm guessing you were as well, Joe. But I thought yeah, yeah. the documentary did a good job of, like, you know, bringing out some stuff that I wasn't aware of, you know, the whole Benoit, you know, Benoit going around to Eddie's house after he died and, you know, Vicky would find him crying in the weight room or, like in his bed you know how, how much the eddie thing bothered benoit the the photos of like the benoit home i don't think i'd ever seen them or, or maybe i've just scrubbed it from memory like there was a lot of stuff like that where they deep dive this wasn't just a you know a retelling of a story we've already seen they 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 put the research in and they found you know they found more information and they found you know lots of interesting footage and uh, and people to speak to too it's very much feels like it's probably going to be as authoritative a piece on Benoit as we're ever going to get. Yeah. And for a long time, they talked about having the, um, doing a film version of it, something that I never wanted to ever see them do. Oh God, no. And in some ways, like for me, this is kind of like 
the full I'm gonna say it's the full stop on it, but to a certain degree this is like if you're wanting to know the story, this is really the place to kind of go to see the story and then go and read what Meltzer had said about it at the time and the reporting when you go back and look at the archives and do it that way. Mm. Well we got um I was just looking at the the series upcoming. They've got the, the new Jack episodes next. Then they're doing Brawl for all. Oh, yeah. at, least, at least that's a bit lighter. Then we get into Snooker, David Schultz, the assassination of Dino Bravo. That's one I wanted to, to know more yeah. about. Herb Abrams, Owen Hart, which will be a sad one. And the Road Warriors. That's an all, oh, I suppose, that we bought. Hawk, won't it? Hawk, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. God, yeah. No, not, not the brightest episode list there, but they'll all be fascinating. There's some good stuff in there. I think um, oh, the Road Warriors one. Get it? Yeah, the Road Warriors one sounds kind of dull to mm. me. I've never been a Road Warriors fan. I've I just never got them to be honest. But the other episodes, like New Jack, I'm fascinated by. Same. Uh, Owen Hart, the fact they got Martha Hart on there yeah. is like a real coup. Um, and I, honestly, I think Jericho being involved in this, I, I find that he's such a stamp of kind of quality. In so many ways that it makes me really confident about yeah. what the, what this series is going to be. He's credible, and he gives credibility to it. And you know that he knows the people and knows what he's talking about as well. So yeah, and really, the last series didn't have that, mm. and this one does. And I think back to like the and it's not the last series was bad, but you think back to the Montreal Screw Job episode, Scott Hall, yeah. And then you've got, yeah, exa- yeah, you've got that kind of stuff. And you're like, uh, whereas this, this felt like, and we said it on that first week, like the budget budget appeared to be expanded on it. Like it was something that wasn't the way that it would use the kind of shadowy figures in the ring. That was a lot more underplayed for this. Mm. So it was just there as a kind of like visual filler as much as anything. And that was fine. But it was primarily based on kind of research and interviews which is the way that it, you know, the way that it should be. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, hard recommend, I think, from all of us. Uh, New Jack won't it. be. He'll be talking about how he was happy to fuck up mass transit. <laughs> well, it's all going to be a new... Vic, sh- and Vic Grimes. I'm, I'm well looking forward oh, to Oh, I want to hear a breakdown of that spot, yeah. The, uh, the, the one from, like, the, the rafters through well, to the tables in the ring. My God. He was really angry about the spot that turned him blind wasn't it, where he landed on his head that was at ECW, it was one of the ECW pay-per-views. Oh, yeah, and he got his revenge. Threw him off the balcony and then landed on him, and his, like that was his revenge, wasn't it? <laughs> the, like the LA, uh, what was it, the Sports Coliseum where the Lakers play. Yeah. Like in front of a thousand people in XPW. Fuck me. <laughs> How he did die, Rick Grimes, is somewhat of a miracle. At least that'll be a laugh. Um, but yeah, if, <laughs> if, if anyone who's not in the US is looking to watch these things, they all are on YouTube. Uh, some of them not particularly on official accounts. I don't think the memoir one's been released officially on YouTube, but it's on there. There's multiple copies of it. And some of the classic episodes are on there as well from Vice themselves. So yeah, people should check it out. But yeah, um, would you like to move on to a, to a happier subject? I've got a great one. Go on. WrestleMania's coming up this weekend, lads. No. Oh. <laughs> We were talking at the start of this. It's WrestleMania week, JP. Are you ready? I don't have a, f- a fucking clue what was on the card in the first place. 
let alone now. Oh, there'll be spoilers, so if anyone's avoiding spoilers, do uh, not not heavy spoilers, just on the lineup in general. We don't know any, we don't know any results. Uh, but if anyone is bothered about the lineup changes, uh, you know, skip ahead. There'll be show notes. Uh, but yeah, fuck a bit, fuck it out. Like WrestleMania is this. Remember how excited we were last year? We had like a, I did like that graphic of all the ones streaming on fight. We had days of wrestling. Yeah. It was a bit, you know bit worrying the amount of wrestling we were worrying that we were gonna have to watch but you know we navigated our way through it we had plenty to look forward to this year we've got a two-day wrestlemania in an empty arena presented by gronk like oh i can't i can't imagine anything worse imagine being stuck with gronk for two days <laughs> that's what, what it's that gonna be like. be like that's what it's gonna be like yeah <clears throat> like him and mojo rawley just imagine being around them yeah. Like you would just be. Nah. Do you know what they wouldn't observe? What? Social distancing. Oh. Imagine them, the aisles in a Sainsbury's doing those fucking dances and all that <laughs> stupid energetic bollocks. Ah, oh, they'd be a fucking nightmare, wouldn't they? They really would be. <laughs> it's it's funny. Yeah, you mentioned this about uh, you know last year. The most stressful thing about WrestleMania was. Uh, whether or not we're going to get Joe to report back from the, um, the, the Ring uh, of Honor New Japan MSG card. Um, I'm wondering whether we're going to be able to get that because he enjoyed it so much at the time. <laughs> oh, now, just, it's, uh, now it's resulted in this, a show got... that I, I don't want to watch, but I'm curious to see. But I also can't see what possible benefit any of this actually has. Yeah, and you've just reminded me as well, a year ago I was prepping for a great holiday. That week me and my girlfriend spent in New York last year. Probably one of the best weeks of both of our lives, I'll say. It was fucking awesome. I had an amazing trip to New York last year. And <laughs> look where we are a year later. So it's crazy. Bizarre, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But yeah, like Roman Reigns was my hero this week. Like, I love that. I love that. I hate that he, it took him to do it. Like, but yeah. apparently, you know, the, again, spoilers for the WrestleMania car, but Roman Reigns won't be on it this weekend because apparently he turned up. The, I read a couple of, like, varying news stories about maybe the Usos kicking off a little bit um, and about him kicking off a little bit because, you know, he is a cancer survivor. You know, we'll, we'll forget this, but, like, you know, Roman Reigns has had serious health issues, similar to Daniel Bryan, who's another person who really shouldn't be in the building. And, again, it's unfortunate that he had to make the decision on the night and walk away. But he refused to have his match. He refused to go out there and wrestle. And hopefully he's been sent home now for the duration of this pandemic. It wasn't Roman Reigns I expected to be the one to stand up to WWE, but uh, I'm really glad he did. And good on him for doing it. But what I'll say is, why did it take this long? Like, he should have been doing this, like, day one. And I know, you know, I'm not going to go because he did it. But he still had to travel to Orlando. He lives in Pensacola. I drove from Orlando to Pensacola. I stayed in Pensacola Beach a couple of years ago on my way to New Orleans. It was fucking awesome. Lovely beach. And it took me like six, six and a half hours to drive from Orlando to Pensacola. Like they're both in the same state, but it's like at the other, they're at opposite ends of a massive state. Like this is like on the border with Alabama, like uh, Mobile, Alabama, actually, where I also the beach blast 92 was held, which me and JP watched last week. But anyway, I digress again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the fact he was probably doing this travel, I just think 
that's such a fucking risk at this point in time. Like, you know, if you're stopping off at a service station for a piss as well, a bite to eat, like all the little things he would have been doing to put himself at risk during this process. And WWE allowed that. And, you know, that's it sort of sums them up as a company, doesn't it? Mm, it does, yeah, it does. And, like, there's, you know, Brie Bella's on a podcast saying, like, she's nervous about Daniel Bryan traveling on because he's got like a like I said like an immune deficiency or something like that they were saying like so he's he's having he's got a pregnant wife at home he's flying in to do these dumb NC Arena Raw and Smackdowns and you know if anyone wants to call us hypocrites I've got plenty of things to say about AEW show later I wasn't a fan of that this week either but like Daniel Bryan and and Roman Reigns especially you know people who've got genuine health issues and Bryan with again with a pregnant wife at home he's having to go out do the show travel home and then self-isolate from his wife like because he's worried about making hair sick and he's worried about getting yeah, this is sick. madness it's cr- but then he's not self-isolating because he's going to work uh, it doesn't make any sense no no it doesn't it's nuts all all for the sake of this wrestlemania that doesn't need to happen like i was surprised yeah. I, heard, I heard brandon howard's a wrestling omics on with he was on john and way where he did like a bonus show on sunday great listen um absolutely well worth listening uh just for just john and way as far as like keeping everyone up to date on everything that's been going on during this pandemic i learn more from more from them and dr patel than i do a lot of the new stuff that i uh that i pay attention to but they had Brandon Howard on it, and he was saying he didn't think this WrestleMania was going to... He was saying, you know, obviously, you lose the live gate. You lose, like, the merch opportunities. He kind of had that at about 20 million less. He was expecting as far as, like, money that they would make on the day. But he was saying he, his feeling was that this WrestleMania was going to do similar numbers as far as, you know, like, network subscriptions. Because he was kind of saying, you know, everyone's at home. It's the curiosity, but mainly, you know, everyone's at home and there's nothing else going on. I don't know if you guys agree, but I don't see that. I think this is a, a waste of time from that point of view as well. Like, I'm going to watch it because I've got a wrestling podcast. But, like, I don't know. I can't. I, I think this is going to do terrible. This doesn't feel... These Raw and Smackdowns, if they haven't killed anyone's excitement, like, surely the idea of a two-day WrestleMania in an empty arena does. I, I think it was a million and a half. I think it was the network number this time last year. I'll look it up. It was between that and two million. I don't see it even doing a million and a half this year. I can't... If it, if it cracks a million, I'll be shocked. I hope it does shock him. I hope it does, like, absolutely shock him. Um, and I just can't say this is going to be good. Like, you know, we know all the results, don't we? Uh, Braun Strowman goes over Goldberg. Oh, we said we uh, weren't going to do spoilers, Joe. <laughs> I'll uh, beat that. What else, what else happens on this one? Who wins the women's six-way? Oh, who won? Who knows? Who, who wins the tag match? The Street Profits. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking deal. I don't know any of the results. I'm just making it up. Because who gives a shit at this point in time? <laughs> who has any investment in this absolute tripe that they have devalued to the nth degree and have scrambled together while taking risks, not just of their own, the, the, the health of the individuals running the show, but also those performing on the show. Mm. It's just a shocking state of affairs where they've gone even further in devaluing a brand, but they've shown very little respect for over the years, I think. And this, this is the nail in the coffin for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many things with this, and it kind of runs parallel to Dana White's attitude. And you'd argue Dana White has been worse about this, and he's kind oh, of oh, he's a scumbag. Like he really is. And like you know, said before about people really showing the sort of true colours, and the idea of well, the show must go on as the justification for these kind of things existing. And it's like, no, this is a global pandemic. Everyone is meant to be at home. You have more content than you know what to do with. 
there are plenty of things you can do from distance and his understanding and fulfill your TV contracts and everything else from a content perspective. The show doesn't need to exist. And you think of the alternative universe where you go, where they go, right, hold that down. First show back, we know we can book it and we can book a big arena. Imagine how that would be. And the kind of goodwill it would get, regardless of the cards, people would view it as much of like, this is like sort of like a reward after the, the kind of period of time that we're all going to have to go through. Mm. Um, and instead, they're not doing that. They're, they're doing stuff that will make WrestleMania look stupid and uh, dumb. It'll make one man and, happy. And it, to make one man happy because he doesn't accept science in any logical way, shape or form. <laughs> and th- there's no point. And he'll be there and he shouldn't be there as well. You'd like to think, I don't know what the steroids have done to his immune system over <laughs> the years, but like, I don't think he should fucking be there, mm. should he? I mean, yeah, it, it's awful. I'm going to look at it like <laughs> WrestleMania, but in terms of like reviewing it, I find it very hard to think I could watch more than three or four matches from that. Yeah, I've seen some variously interesting examples of empty arena shows over the last few weeks, but this is one I've just, you know, yeah, Should we do it for zero charity? interest, and none of these storylines mean anything. Yeah, I've got curiosity because it's like yeah. this is WrestleMania. What the fuck are they going to do to it? But I ain't watching a lot of this. Like I'll watch bits of it. But, you know, I'm a massive wrestling fan and I've loved WrestleManias over the years. I've loved the mystique around it. I've loved the feel around it. And this is quite sad that they're allowing this to happen to WrestleMania. And they've got so little respect for this brand that they've created. And it might be the last thing that really means anything in that company, but they're just going to bastardize it. Like, I'll watch some of the shit. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch the Edge match because I can't watch Edge doing his return singles match. One against Randy Orton is not what I want to see. But also <laughs> in an empty Orton arena. In an empty arena. Yeah, it's it's like I don't want to see Edge doing this. Like I'll watch some of the shite. Like Undertaker's done his fair amount of shite now. I'll have a watch of this boneyard bollocks. <laughs> I'll pr- I'm probably not going to watch the Firefly fucking Funhouse because I've seen one of them before and it was an abomination. Although Cena in these overly gimmick matches can, o- can often be quite cringe to the point where I just find myself laughing at him. Like, see the um, JBL parking lot brawl where he gets his, uh, where Cena gets his balls electrocuted with. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot oh, I can't what it cables. is. It's like junk cables. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely awful. I remember my mate's dad walking in when we were watching that and he'd be like all the fucking time to walk in of course yeah he's he'll be listening laughing at this um yeah just so much bollocks on this card as well like, Austin Theory's uh, on there Joe he's making his Mania weekend debut yeah Austin I heard Theory. that this morning like whatever <laughs> whatever like who cares uh, um I watched the Daniel Bryan match I think it's against Sami Zayn and I'm sure if anyone's going to have a good match in, a, in an empty arena, it's going to be Daniel Bryan. Um, I'll probably watch Drew McIntyre Lesnar as well because the thought of Lesnar in an empty arena is just odd. Um, but yeah, there's some of this that I will not be watching by like at all. And yeah, I'll probably be watching it with a sense of detachment and kind of sadness at the same time because the show just sounds kind of tragic, to be honest. But I'll also be watching it thinking... Mm, How's Vince's ticker doing? <laughs> what if this? 
what if we get the listeners, Joe, to do like a, a charity drive and we get a load of donations to the NHS or something? Could that talk you into watching that Bray Wyatt match or, or the show in general? <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you hate our NHS keyword? Uh, have you just made this up then on the spot or is it something you've been planning? No, it just came, it came to me then. What if, what, if we, you know, what if we took some good out of this? You know, it's you know, something we could do. Uh, look, if, if that's out. a thing, if, if people want to want me to donate money to the NHS or want us to donate money to the NHS as a result of me watching a wrestling match, sure. Like, I've watched a million bad wrestling matches. I will watch one if it means some money goes to a good cause. Why the fuck not? Well, let's think about that. Then. Maybe there's something there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. I'm going to watch it because I'm a glutton for punishment. It's 40. The card's 14 matches. It's too big for one day, lads. That's the, uh, that's the thing, the uh, trademark this week, isn't it? Uh, fuck me. Like, I don't know how it's 14 matches, but somehow it is. You know, there's. Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan are up in a match in there. How am I not excited about that? Uh, maybe it's because Elias and King Corbin's another one of the matches. Alistair Black, Bobby Lashley. The still false advertising. That, that Alistair it's be... Black, Bobby Lashley. Like, yeah. What the yeah. fuck is that? How's that on WrestleMania? Like, but the, the, the even false advertising, they're still advertising that it's, we're going to get Roman Reigns on the show. They're still advertising. I think that The Miz is going to be on the show, despite the fact it seems like he's actually got coronavirus, or he's at least sick. And let's just say that. Him and Dana Brooke were both apparently sick this week. Like, that's just WWE all over us. They're not even, like, leveling with people. Like, listen, lads, it's Braun Strowman against Goldberg. Which sounds, you know what? With a venue full of fans, I think I'd be into that. I think I'd enjoy the, like, the shit show there. It will be terrible, like, in an empty arena. But, like, you know, just admit what's, what's happening. Like, admit the world is happening outside. I think that's another reason I'm I'm so offended. Yeah, that's... but the 10-minute run time of Goldberg, Braun Strowman as well, from what I'm hearing from my sources inside, going to be a <laughs> going to be a right shit show, that one. <laughs> Amazing. Our spoiler's not out for this one. That's what I'm wondering. I, like, think, I, I think thought Meltzer's... the spoilers would be out there. I reckon Melton knows, and he's just he's being cautious. And, and they're all, like, there's Can't a, like... Say. There's the likes of Saturn and the, the, the Ryan Satins of the world who said they won't post spoilers because fuck Oh, me. Ryan Satin, who uh, was really impressed with Vince McMahon's commitment to a gimmick because he <laughs> took some mallets on a plane to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that, that undoes all the fucking terrible things we've learned about Vince McMahon this year. No, he took some uh, exactly. took some gimmicks on a plane. This is according to hey, the Brody Lee Mallets. We, mallet we focused on the negatives of Saudi Arabia too enough, and here's some of the positives, and here's you two belittling it straight away. <laughs> that mallets were important. Those sound, think, that, that's, that Saudi, rabid Saudi fan base. Fuck Mansour is the bludgeon brother mallets. That's what they wanted. The massive fans are Timmy Mallet, I reckon. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a must, you know. Shake Mansour grew up on a bit of Timmy Mallet, just like we did, I'm sure. Or me and Benno, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Timmy Mallet. Fuck. A bit old for him, though, weren't you, JP? Oh, I knew who he was. And then, he, and then he's at Oxford Games wearing all yellow, being as what you'd imagine Timmy Mallet like, really. I'm surprised there were never any uh, allegations about him, to be honest. Like, well, <coughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you'd imagine there's been an investigation as well by this point, wouldn't you? Let's you JP, that, that, that reminds me, JP, uh, you've, you made a great fa- find last week, didn't you? And Jim Davidson's online blog. Oh, my God, what? I did. It came up a, <laughs> on a work conversation on what Davidson's up to during the coronavirus. <laughs> and that led to me looking at his Twitter feed, which he doesn't update. Don't ask. I think it was something because Roy Chubby Brown had a, had a video 
out. Like, oh, that was that was bizarre, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Some of the homophobic slurs Roy Chubby Brown uses. I was like, my God, I've not heard that in years. And mate, for good it was reason. even on a good day. That's woke Chubby Brown. That one <laughs> really is woke Chubby Brown. There you go. That's the name of the episode. There's the title for you as well. Yeah, that's that's him. Where you're thinking, oh, he's gone a bit lefty, hasn't he, in recent years? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I end up finding this Davidson, uh, like finding out on his website that he had a blog on there, mm. which I admit I haven't read, but I just forwarded in. But Joe, <laughs> have you been reading about it? Oh. Absolutely, if I've been reading it, mate, it was I couldn't stop. Like, and a couple of the people I sent it to as well also just could not stop reading it. Like, this is just like magic material. Like, the man just lacked so much awareness of like who he is and what he comes across like. Honestly, he's, he's just stuck in a different world to people and thinks he's like above the law. Uh, he's, there's one where he's complaining about um, how does he think that out of curiosity? How he gets how he gets a driving ban? Thought uh, for doing, a driving related incident. Yeah, uh, yeah he got he got uh, pulled over because he was doing thirty seven and a thirty, and he's like, oh, "That's not a problem." It's like you are over the speed limit, mate. Like you are taking a risk by doing that. There's one where he's talking about um, a, a spa hotel in Kettering that he's not happy about. <laughs> and he's, he's talking about the girl there who was serving him with the tattoos and the metal in her face. And the way, t- the, what, the derogatory manner in which he's talking about tattoos, like he is greatly offended by like women having tattoos. You can tell like he can't sort of get his head, round it like it's just like not he's not like for him. in general really yeah yeah there's here he goes a bit there's a nice big hotel and spa in Kettering it's the sort of hotel that caters for weddings and end parties using the spa it would seem a caters for no one else we arrived into the reception with our bags. The young girl had a metal thing in her lip and enough makeup to paint the scrubs asked us if we were checking in. I replied, no, we're just walking about of our bags. Our older friend, La, she looked pissed off. It turns out that Kev was not on their list, even though he booked him online. He booked him in online. What, Jim? They found a room, a sweetener less. Now, this is a nice big hotel with tons of facilities. It was lunchtime, we told reception. We going to the restaurant. All right, Jim. We got there and we're told by a 12... (laughs) Possibly. It's due. We got there and we're told by a 12-year-old it was shut. But it's lunchtime, I said. Why is the restaurant closed lunchtime? Oh, but at six was the reply. There was bar food. I had eggs benedict out of the four choices. (laughs) It was shite. The holiday sauce had split. I pointed this out to the waitress who said... Sorry. Like, what is this? <laughs> How boring is his life at this point in time that he's having to give a blow by blow account of his day at a hotel and spa in Kettering? Like, this is magical content that I'm happy to read. What the fuck is he up to? It's partridge, but it also reads yeah. like a stream of consciousness from like Kevin <laughs> Spacey in Seven. It's like it's like he's never seen Alan Partridge. Is completely unaware of his existence, Mm. or he's watched it. He doesn't understand it because this is not self-parody. Like he wouldn't get in Partridge, would he? No, he's not aware of any sort of self-parody going on. There was another one where he's talking about Freddie Starr and like what a great mate he was, and like how you 
you tree to try to investigate them both and star went down even though he'd like hadn't done anything but jim hadn't done anything either and then he talks about how he was in swansea and he went for a he went for a a meal with some yew tree officers and had a right laugh of them for an evening and i'm reading this thinking like what like uh, uh, like someone to do with a yew tree investigation want to read this and like mm. kind of notice that this could be compromising the case somewhat like this yeah. blog is fascinating jp i'm i'm sad <laughs> you didn't have a little read through it because well, well now i think <laughs> yeah, this is bedtime read it is just prime material yeah i'm not accusing him of anything right i want to make that point perfectly clear it's a bit suspect if you started i don't know going into this like kind of trying to become pally with people in this kind of very specialist police unit Mm. you'd be thinking (laughs) yeah why do you want to know all this stuff mate right best case scenario is you're trying to get your mates off <laughs> like, what are they going to do? Go, oh, go on, Freddie, you go. Boys, we boys, it was the 1970s. Is that what he's expecting to be the fucking response, is it? Yeah, if Freddie Starr hadn't died with like a full English breakfast in front of him, I mean, like, where was it? Like Malaga, somewhere like that, of a heart attack? I'm convinced that he was going down. Like, it was always happening. Here you go. Do you want to hear the. I've got the paragraph. The gig was fine, and I met up with an old Operation U Tree inspector and went for a tiny, <laughs> a tiny meal with him and his team from, his team from, oh, a, a great one from Jim here, PTSD Blues. There are thousands of police officers, serving and veteran, suffering. I talked with them and tried to find a way to help. We chatted about U Tree and had a good laugh. A good laugh we did. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Because that's one of the yeah. things I always think about with Operation U Tree is at times it's just not been portrayed as funny as what it always has been. <laughs> it's always been the humour that I feel that sometimes hasn't been properly represented about the, the entire Operation fucking U Tree investigation. Jesus yeah. Christ! Amazing. Do you want yeah. to hear how this ends? This 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 entry. Go on. Why not, mate? We could be indoors for months. <laughs> the, the nice bloke with a long fashionable beard said. We could have a table in the bar. We ordered free beef, and I plumbed for the roast pork with crackling served with applesauce and sage gravy. The young girl took our order. As the beef cooked, I asked. She said, well done or rare? No no medium? No. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs to know this shit? (laughs) No in between. It's a cry for help, if anything else, really, isn't it? That, that's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> He's in a dark place, Jim, and I'm worried about what he might get up to. Mate, get in contact, help him. I'd love to see you and Jim Davidson, you getting him uh, back to Elf or something. It would be a, a fascinating a reality. series on a reality show I want. Come on, Jim. Yeah. Really? Sit there and listen to hours of racism, sexism, and homophobia and misogyny in between. Well, a white <laughs> fella like you could educate educate him mate it's like a very bleak version of that ddp film with jake the snake (laughs) except at the end of it it's not like i you know could do a cracking ddt i'm thinking jim davison mm, i can't even really play snooker with him although you'd you'd like to think he would have worked on it at various points in the 90s um yeah yeah i i don't know if i am up for that fuck (laughs) sake. 
Well, <laughs> speaking of Jake the Snake, that's a good segue, JP. Oh, <laughs> uh, deliberate as well. <laughs> are we done with WrestleMania, are we? I think we are. Anything else to say on it? I haven't got anything. Do we not want to go through the card, whatever the card is? Whatever it's <laughs> and spoilers. If Vince wanted to write a blog like that, I'd get more out of that than I would WrestleMania. Yeah. Putting yeah. the belt on Austin Theory is an interesting choice, though, isn't it? Because he lives in Florida. Oh, sorry, no spoilers. Hey, based Push on, to the moon. Based on the uh, the Brody Lee uh, talk his Jericho appearance and the uh, the segments he did on AEW, which I wasn't the hugest fan of, but I know people who were. Um, yeah, I, I think... It definitely makes you think even more, yeah, just a, a documentary series or just a, a Vince McMahon blog in general talking about getting his, uh, his steak. Uh, Dad eats first, is that the line? Uh, just can't sneeze around him. Imagine, 30 for 30, mate. Imagine the angry blogs he'd write about people sneezing and people with the coronavirus in general. I think I'd actually read that. Or his steaks being cooked wrong. Like I was thinking, do you reckon he travels with steaks? Like, do you reckon he has like a load of like prime steak, like on his plane, like in some sort of freezer that they can just cook up? Because it sounds like he's got a steak on the go, just constantly. Yeah, that sounds like Elvis and his sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know it's... the story about the the Elvis sandwich, don't you? What's like that? the fried banana shite and all that stuff. Yeah, but there was a place that used to do it, and he used to get it flown out to him and stuff like oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like, um, I don't know if it was in Memphis, because I think it was it was peanut butter, banana and bacon in a toasted sandwich. <laughs> that sounds... Which is all over the place. Yeah, I think, I, I want to say it was something about like 8,000 calories, but yeah, anyway, I don't know why I'm going on with this, sorry. Steak wraps, steak wraps. Uh, that's what steak wraps. <laughs> Maybe he does exactly the same thing. Oh, he love... just eats meat, doesn't he? He doesn't like vegetables. No, I love that Brody, Brody Lee, like where him and Jericho are going back and forth, going, you've literally got to time your pictures to Vince McMahon. This is on the, the Talk of Jericho podcast, between when he's going to be eating. Because if he's eating, you're going to walk into the room and he's going to ignore everything you say. If he's hungry, he's going to ignore everything you say. So they're, they're like, we're literally sat there backstage, like trying to get like in, inside info. Has Vince just finished the meal? Right, let's head in now. Let, let's pitch him on this idea. And like Brody Lee was saying, like he did that once and he walked in and Vince was having a second meal, like a second steak wrap or whatever the hell he was having. And he completely ignored him. Like that is the reality that like literally you've got a, this crazy old man, like no matter how good you're idea is it really depends on whether he's had his steak and ketchup at that point of the day <laughs> he's a fucking loon isn't he <laughs> so i got distracted because i've just found out what this sandwich is he has <laughs> and it's eight thousand calories fuck right? me it's called a fool's gold loaf it consists of a single warmed hollowed out loaf of bread filled with the contents of one jar of peanut butter one jar of grape jelly and a pound of bacon. And, and he'd eat that in one sitting? Yeah, he would do. He purchased 30, 30 of them, spent two hours eating them, drinking Perrier and champagne before flying home. That's like food challenge stuff at that point. Jesus. That he ate is... 30 of them in yes. one go. It says two hours. I like to think other people had some of these. He wouldn't just buy himself <laughs> just eating <laughs> away. Rather like Brody <laughs> Lee, maybe. 30 times 8,000. <laughs> Oh, How many uh, fucking calories um, is that? 240. Yeah, this has got to uh, be over a week. 24, 240,000. That, that, can't, that right? can't be possible. 24,000. Yeah. No. 
Because three of them are 24,000. 30 is 220... I can't even fucking say it now. 240,000 calories. <laughs> the one he did well to, to make it to the shitter, let alone die on it. Honestly, he did really <laughs> Nice. I don't oh, mind Elvis either. Uh, but not not hate Elvis when he's on stage in Vegas. A bit like mm-hmm. kind of later OJ, but that's a conversation. I'm more of a honky tonk man. Oh yeah, AW. Yeah, that's what people come to listen to for, for the for the breakdown of the maths of the calories of uh, of Elvis's yeah. food. Yeah, AW, AW. This, uh, yeah, this show. Like this was the one. <laughs> this was the episode of Dynamite where I was like, you know what? We don't need wrestling right now. Maybe that colours what I'm about to say. I feel like this has been a very negative show in general, uh, but I didn't enjoy AW this week one bit, and I think a lot of it's that there were a couple of angles I really didn't like on the show. Mainly, I just don't think they should be running at this point, and hopefully, at least mm. they got a load in the can uh, at this latest taping. I think that's the rumor, and they won't have to continue to do these, you know, these Wednesday tapings and and put the other people at risk. Obviously, it's not at the level of putting, you know, a leukemia survivor or a, or a man with no immune system out there uh, on the same show as the Miz is showing symptoms, but it's still not great stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that that kind of coloured my opinion on it. But generally, I thought like, I, I genuinely don't know what either of your opinions on it are. But I hated that Mahardi segment. Like I, I, I will eat some crow because I was someone who thought signing Mahardi was a good idea. I'm not sure I think it anymore. I was someone who probably a couple of weeks ago, if you'd have said to me we're going to get broken Mahardi segments on AEW, I might not have questioned it. But seeing it in reality, the teleportation thing that he did <clears> with Jericho, the ten minutes of arguing at the I. Jericho going back and forth with the drone was pretty funny. I was enjoying it at that point, but I honestly thought the last 10 minutes of Dynamite was some of the worst 10 minutes of Dynamite so far. Again, could have been my mood, could have been the fact that I didn't think they should even be there in the first place, but yeah, I was not a fan one bit. Uh, Where did you two stand on it? That's where I'm up to. So I actually, I'll be honest, I watched most of it Thursday and then I kind of forgot about it uh, and I've been watching other stuff. Started my Abel Ferrara binge at that point in time and King of New York and all the rest of them were t- too much to resist at this point. Um, so I'm up to that point of the show. Um, what I will do is I've seen that it's recording right now on ITV. So I'll have a, a, I'll have a little watch of it afterwards. Sorry, Ben, I should have timed this better, really, shouldn't I? Um <laughs> Um, yeah, but it doesn't sound good, no, it to wasn't. say the least. Did I've you heard, see I've heard not... I did, and do you know what, Joe? Part, some of the things you won't like it. Bring him up. I was listening to uh, Flagship this week, and oh, voices. Uh, oh, I, I was thinking on voice. It was it was very good. And they were breaking it down, and it was very much Joe Lanza's hate of the supernatural, and the excuse of going. But you like WWE, and he's like, I like the Undertaker when I was ten. I'm 40, I'm not fucking into this shite anymore. <laughs> and uh, this stuff, it just doesn't fit within the universe they've created. That's the problem. Magical yeah. stuff. Like, And the example he used, which I thought was a good one, is imagine if um, Omar t- turned up as a mage in the, uh, <laughs> in, the, in, in the wire. And he just could turn Turned up as a what? Like a mage, a wizard. Oh, right. And he was able right. to use wizardry to rob drug dealers. This is an example <laughs> that Joe Lanza gave. And, yeah, I'm checking and, out at that point. Yeah, and and then they just went, and then the, and then the justification 
was, well, you know, you like things like Buffy. So surely you'd like this as well. I don't know. Why don't you just enjoy it? Like, as in... Sort of, Who are these people? <laughs> the supernatural stuff. I, d- I don't know. Uh, but I check out with that stuff. And I agree with you. The stuff with the, with the drone was fine. But the entirety of the, this week, I was thinking, this shouldn't be happening. This no, shouldn't yeah, be happening. There's no really. reason for this to exist. From the very start, when it had Giovanni and Cody and Kenny, it was like, I don't know if you need to do it. Um, and I, yeah, I watched it and it was almost, I want to say through gritted teeth. I didn't really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I did as well. I found myself really losing interest. Whereas the week before I was completely with it. It felt like a slice of fun. It, yeah. you know, it was critical at that stage. It didn't feel as critical at that stage. By this point, I was thinking, no, this just shouldn't be going on now. Yeah. Uh, they did it once. They got away with it. Like they're taking more precautions with other people at ringside. It just felt this felt sort of darker and kind of yeah. dirtier Jimmy as a result. Jimmy Havoc's uh, the one man abomination. He's the he's the one man like he's the example. Did you see Vince Russo's tweet where Vince Russo was like, Did anyone notice during that match with Cody? Like Jimmy Havoc was trying to pull Cody's tongue out of his mouth. Then after the match, Cody Rhodes goes and kisses his wife, and then he goes shakes his hand to Tony Schiavone. And like, I don't agree with Vince Russo very often, but you know what? That kind of sums up why I didn't enjoy watching this show, as well as the fact that Jimmy Havoc was on it. It just felt dirty. Yeah, like yeah. Jimmy Havoc, I bet he thought, ah, fat coronavirus, I'm having a right laugh out here, ain't I? A couple of beers afterwards, <laughs> lovely stuff. Like, I had to unfollow him on Instagram today, he came up with my fear, but why the fuck am I following this? I can't believe twat. you're following in the first place. I follow a few wrestlers. I don't know. I must follow them years ago. <laughs> and he came up and I just thought, nah, nah, you're Secret irrelevant at this point. You are? Secret fan, no? Me? I've, I yeah. have been a fan in the past during his, pro, his run in progress, which, you know, it, it will live off forever. Um, but yeah, that whole thing with the tongue, like, it's like, come on. Like, I understand that your, you know, your gimmick is making people's stomach stomachs turn and stuff all the blood and stuff but not the time mate like mm. kind of tone deaf to be honest mm. yeah. which is kind of how this show felt didn't it, it yeah just, no, it, just felt it shouldn't have existed we we kind of knew the situation and regarding social distance distancing and the seriousness of it it's gotten worse in the last week so the idea of then getting to um this show and it was like why is this happening like Really, who who's the demand for this for? Mm. There are other ways to kind of fill gaps in the schedule. TNT are with them. Mate, they They've taped, already got. They taped about three hours of dark last week, JP. Like they taped about yeah. like twenty matches last week for dark. Just make that dynamite. I, it doesn't need to be first run right now. Yeah, it's, and do you know what? I enjoyed AEW Dark because I found myself you watched watching it. it. Well, do you know why? Because I wanted to see Sugar Sugar Dunkerton was on it. Mm. Oh, Kip was State. it? Leeds Zone. Well, yeah, yeah. Leeds. He's announced as being from Leeds by being from Leeds by way of Atlanta, Amazing. right? Because he because it's so important. But it's a series of squash matches. It's just like six squash matches that go on. So Jake Hager is a squash match, as it should do against someone called Joe Alonso, and it's just like proper like squash match stuff. It feels like kind of the old superstars, and it was yeah, it was good. It was an very easy watch and do you know what it was an easier watch than having um than than watching uh, dynamite itself 
Wow. Yeah, that's what it should be right now. Like, fill your TV time with, like, yeah. documentary stuff and, and matches you've got in the can. Like, I believe, like, parts Re- of the show will have the last went. pay-per-view. Show, yeah, yeah. show the tag match on, from the last pay-per-view on free-to-air TV. Yeah. 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 They're 10 greatest matches up to this point. Yeah. Whatever they, they, they might think they are. And just spread them out over certain weeks. Yeah, and you maybe good. have a couple of... of um, Squash matches in in between and some introductory packages. Mm. A lot of that stuff can be done remotely as well, and they already have the archive footage for it. Yeah. But new content, I don't know if they need it. No, I don't either. And you know the best stuff. Like I enjoyed the the Jake Roberts promo. I've heard him get criticised for maybe putting himself over more than Brody Lee, which mm. is kind of Jake the Snake, isn't it? Uh, I don't know on that. Well, I'll Lance give it Archer. Lance Archer. Sorry, give give him time. You know, we'll we'll see how we'll see how that goes. Uh, I thought that was good. I just want more of that, really. Like more, less of. I just don't need wrestling right now. Um, I don't know. How did you feel on the like maybe? If we can in any way like take the the feeling the show shouldn't be happening at all, like how did you feel about the rest of the show? What do you think about the Brody Lee segment? Like I I've got a feeling you guys are going to be higher on than me. I really didn't like it. Like I I thought it was funny. I like the little. Uh, you're you're the WWE fan here, Ben. <laughs> well, the shots and bits are funny. <laughs> they are. I get it. I laugh with everyone else, but I just don't know if your cult leader should be doing it. It just feels a bit. I don't know. Feels a bit second rate. Feels a bit like. I don't know, Shindy. I don't know. Just something about it's unbecoming to me. I feel like they should be above it now. Ah, fuck it. Uh, uh, it it's going to make me laugh because uh... there's one man who is a massive problem with the entire industry and he's got the most impact and still wields the most influence over the entire industry and he's clearly a madman and an idiot and anything that is designed to have a shot at him going to win me over in a heartbeat and also i don't care for the dark order like, i quite like Brody lee as a wrestler but i'm never going to be invested in even dark order and I, i'll be honest i don't see anything great in his future i think he'll have a run there of a year he'll get over to an extent i think they've given him the leadership of the dark order because they know it's a gimmick that's not really going to go anywhere it's not going to be a main event gimmick and they see him as a guy who can be in that sort of mid card having decent matches with guys at that level in this gimmick. And I think that's the best place for it. But he's going to be, I mean, I would say one of the, the benefits for him is at least he's going to feel somewhat creatively fulfilled. The fact he's able to talk, which is in, in and of itself, I found the novelty of that piece. It's, it's again, it's hearing him talk for a bit. Um, but as a segment itself, I was reminded in some ways by, do you remember on Impact where they did the funeral um, where Vince was going to be, there, there was a funeral, and they had, oh, who was it? Jeff Jarrett and was there, and Team Canada were there as well, and it felt like that kind of, like you said before, that kind of very shindy dig, yeah. Like, hunt, like, and I, and and I'm probably at the point of, they're better off doing stuff better to piss him off, and to do stuff that Vince thinks, well, you can't have that on TV and get away with it, and then they go ahead and they do it, and they put on tag team matches that are kind of all over the place and it isn't about like let's work a rest hold during the commercial break stuff i think that's the kind of stuff that would piss him off more yeah. than anything I think, else i think it's time and place as well like if the revival come in and they start doing it i think i'd get it more i just think yeah you know mm-hmm. you're probably right joe i mean i'm probably overthinking like who really cares about the dark order cult leader anyway i just felt it was odd coming out of the cult leader and for me like you know, that whole argument of, like, a Brody Lee needs to, you know, be given some creative control and do his own stuff. It just worries me that the first thing he does with his, you know, his power to say what he wants and have his creative control 
is to kind of, I don't know, it felt a bit immature. Uh, I'll give it time, though. I see your point. I'm higher on Brody Lee, I think, maybe than Joe is. I think there's something there. I, I agree he's not going to be a top-line wrestler. Um, I don't like that he, he, he's going. He's doing the uh, the teaser Bray Wyatt finish still. He did that week one, and it was cute. Like You don't need to do that in your squash match as well. There's just a couple mm. of things there that just felt a little bit immature for me. It's kind of the counterpoint to the book and by the boys. Positive that we see in AEW, you know week on week uh but no, maybe it's just me but i don't know any other thoughts on that or, or anything else on the show did did anyone manage to enjoy any of the matches they kind of just they happen for me the the, the three star yeah. specials and i don't really <clears throat> really care to be honest yeah like Guevara omega i thought it was a well worked match for what it was yeah. it's a match i'd like to see again at some point when i'm more up for watching it and when there are fans in the building they weren't hard but the whole show just had a you know a weird atmosphere and a feeling that it was just a bit wrong about mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it. I'd completely go along with that. At that point in time, it was like, this kind of live wrestling doesn't need to exist. This mm. show does not need to exist. Effectively, really what it is, is we put a moratorium on all the kind of storyline stuff, effectively, for three months. And you use packages and, and all the rest of it. And you kind of intersperse them with some archive stuff if you're looking to fill up the time but you you just don't need this kind of content and my fear is is that apparently they taped a whole load of it hmm. so i imagine they've got a couple of weeks in the can for it and i don't know i like that um, more than, on, than making on, people come back jp like i prefer that to them yeah, like you know yeah, yeah. people you know in three weeks the situation might be oh i would different. agree with that we might if all be able to do it yeah go on that that might have been the thing they should have done in the first place but I agree, if i could yeah. make a quick note on the brody lee stuff and the lance archer I think there's been a thing where they, they kind of, when they've had people come in, that they don't instantly get them. Hmm. And it's taken that little while for them to kind of, effectively for a lot of people in AEW to kind of find themselves. And there was a point then after Christmas where they really were, and they were kind of on, you know, on a really good run of it. So while I don't see Brody Lee as a top-line star, or even Lance Arch to that degree, I could see them headlining a show against whoever the champion is at that point in time as a kind of big TV main event. I think that's the kind of level they are, but not like pay-per-view main events. I don't know. I, I could see Lance Archer doing an upper mid-card style uh, yeah. kind of pay-per-view match. I don't see, I don't know, I just I can't see the Dark Order gimmick being that prominent and I can't see people being into it when once they have crowds back, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think I can see Lance Archer versus Cody <clears throat> as a really good dynamite main event. Same. But I could see Lance Archer versus John Moxley as a really good semi-main event and a pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, well, if no one's got anything else on, on AEW, JP, <laughs> there's a... Uh... Speaking of wrestling that either shouldn't have happened or was unique this week, uh, we're actually going to talk some pro wrestling now. Um, I think there's Puro fans mm. out there that I'm sure have been uh, waiting for this moment, JP, but not for this match. You didn't watch it, did you, Joe? We, we didn't manage to con you into uh, to watching it with our, uh, with our not going into detail as to why you should watch it. Do you know anything about this match? This is Fujita uh, and Go Shiyazaki. Do you know anything about it? Oh, I sent some stuff about it and I just thought... It feels to me like people are so desperate for current content and for some discussion about current wrestling on Twitter, <laughs> but they've latched onto this one and started getting wild about this. And I just thought, I'm not watching it because I'm using this as my opportunity to pretend that, 
you know, I'm living in the 90s again and I'm just going to carry on watching 90s WCW and 90s All Japan for the next while because I've wanted to do a rewatch for years and current product at this point in time feels like an irrelevance. And I never watched Noah. I don't follow Noah. I haven't done it for years, so I won't be watching this. No. I've been living like it's 2006, Joe. I watched a bit of a... Uh, Alan Farrell was doing like a live watch-along of Mania Weekend 2006, which is the uh, the one Mania there, Weekend I was yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. I didn't manage to do the full live watch-along, so I had other stuff planned, but uh, other stuff I was watching, but I did... Uh, I jumped in a little bit to watch the uh, Cabana-Danielson uh, match with the uh, the chairs raining down on the ring. Uh, not Cabana-Danielson, Cabana-Homicide uh, with the chairs raining down on the ring where I was oh, yeah. one of the unlucky people in the second row ducking for my life. Like, that's a scary sight. You know when people do the Terry Funk launch all the chairs at the oh, ring? Yeah. Looks great on tape. In real life, it's fucking terrifying, especially with the aim of uh, some wrestling fans. Yeah, I did watch that, and I had Danielson on the brain because I watched the uh, the Landstorm match as well, which I still don't love. I think it was a very good technical match, but I don't know. I, I think it gets overblown as this uh, It's kind of dull. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, it's a wrestling match, isn't it? Um, to quote one of my mates, but yeah, um, I've been living in 2006, but I, to be honest, I Did you watch Jimmy Jacobs' BJ Whitmer Cage match? No, that's from, <laughs> is that from Detroit the night before? Uh, no, 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 but that's from Chicago, mate. That is one of my favorite matches. I think that's the best cage match ever. I hate cage matches. I love that match. I kind of like. I was never into them as like a as a. Their feud just didn't really work for me. But they are the the. But there's there's the the spot in the cage and there's a spot off the top rope, isn't there? And there's the you know where the uh, they do the power bomb into yeah. the crowd. Like they are Horrible. like abiding memories of ROH from that period for me. Oh, that cage match, I think, stands up. To, it stands up. I watched it a few years ago, and I couldn't believe how good it still was. It's like Jimmy Jacobs' magnum opus, let's say. Like, mm. I never thought Jimmy Jacobs was a great wrestler. He had a good mind. But it is like the, one of the most perfect culminations to a feud I think I've ever seen. Yeah, Benno, if you got time, go back and watch it. Honestly, it's well worth it. Yeah, I want to rewatch that entire weekend because that weekend was also the weekend of uh, Necro Butcher and Loki having that match at IW Mid South. Uh, the one I, I didn't make it to and got lost in the ghetto instead uh, in Chicago, but I've told that story before. But anyway, when I hit the 2006 ROH, I did watch the Noah match. I did fall for the hype. I felt like it. it, it, it was just. For me, I, I don't know if JP's any any higher on it. It felt like a I don't know like a an like one of those arguments for the the, the wrestling is art people like start trying to like make mm. a statement. If anyone hasn't seen it, like we're gonna spoil it now because you know you should maybe watch it unspoiled to get the full experience. But basically, there's 20 minutes at the start of the match where they stand around and do nothing and literally just do a stare out for 20 minutes. Um, I and believe people are raving. Believe... No, no, no. You've forgotten one bit. After about nine minutes, Vegeta walks across the ring, <laughs> and then they start staring again. <laughs> that is literally from a the slightly different minutes. angle. Yeah. Is, is there like an irony to people trying to like troll people by claiming that they should watch this and this is great or something? Yes, we were we were basically ah. trying to troll you and get you. So come on, JP. We were trolling. Yeah, we were trying to get that. you to watch it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying try, try to do that to you, Joe, is far for it. I didn't see. I think the most notable reaction of, of it was that the Irish Examiner was talking about, was had it in their, um, it's having in their print edition tomorrow, talking about like sports going on. And they had a picture of Vegeta and Go Shiozaki wrestling. Like, and that's going to be in the newspaper tomorrow. And then there was a radio host who commented on it as well about this isn't social distancing. And it's just like, this is slightly odd that he would get involved. Um, it's got the publicity. But I don't, 
Yeah, it it has for it, and it's and the other thing I was reminded of was um, you guys watched Big Train. Did you ever what? see that? The, it was a it was um, after space. Simon Pegg had done it. Yes, no, that it. was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they used to have the World Staring Championships. <laughs> and Barry Davis would do the commentary over the top. I and remember. It'd be, a figure, it'd be drawn out, so it'd be sketched out. So it was just like a um, a drawing of these two people and Barry Davis talking. Well, that's just top quality staring. Look at the quality on display here. And there's a co-commentator going, well, you know, try this technique in Poland. And it was like that. Mm. It really was. And I was playing, quite luckily, I was playing football manager at the time. <laughs> so I had stuff going on that was going quite well, frankly. And I was also looking at this. And then occasionally I point out my son and go, they've just done a 10-minute like announcement that 10 minutes has gone by. All that's happened is he's walked from there to there in that time. I, I think if they kept I it up. I think if they'd done like a full half hour of it, sorry to interrupt JP, if that was the yeah. match, I think I'd be like, it would be ironically, but I think I'd be higher on it. If they hadn't actually started wrestling, I think I'd be more into it than I was. Yeah, for me, that's where it starts to get, when, when that because it was kind of, don't get me wrong, like I, I found it very hard to watch for the 20 minutes of just two blokes staring at each other. Um, it was in kind this of soothing, way, like, you know, no commentary either. I was kind of just sat there yeah. in my bed, kind of just relaxed. I enjoyed All you would hear is cage. Yeah, you'd hear a cage. That's fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're not like selling you on it, Joe, but you better. never would be. Yeah. Say it again. You never would be sold on this one, Joe. You really <laughs> well, wouldn't. Like, my brother was sending me screenshots. We were going about as like one of the matches of the year or something. No, yeah. it's not the Invisible Man. Uh, that's um, real art. That's art. That's like real performance art. This isn't intentionally performance art. It, the idea at the beginning is just about like that kind of just trying to get that intensity. It's not done with any kind of ironic context in mind. It's just that, and there are points in the exchanges mm. where Fujita's just fucking brutal, absolutely brutal slapping um, when it does kick off. But as a match, like I'd, I'd go what two? Wow. Really? Just... I didn't think the match itself was was any good at all. It just goes through Kurokan, oh, which is interesting in the sense of the tour was have good. A look at uh, yeah, the tour was good. Mm. I was like, oh, right, okay, this looks interesting. <laughs> um, and him dragging him around, Shiazaki sort of like struggling to get back in. But yeah, it, it was it was funny to watch. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I, It's one of those tough ones. It's funny because it is on Grapple and you can put your rating in and I've actually seen people go five stars on it. Um, but I'm so glad to. I thought it's, it's just like ironic. Can I just ask? Are people doing that ironically? Some of it, but I think some of it, like JP says, it's the intensity of the 20 minutes there down before they yeah. wrestle. But I was uh, wondering, right. they're I, not doing it ironically at all. No, we're watching it ironically, maybe. But like, I'm I'm so glad you yeah. said that, JP, because I don't watch Noah, so I was just nonplussed by the wrestling, and I thought, am I just not getting this? Am I just? You know, I don't follow the product. I, I know Goshi Ozaki speaking a bit 2000s ROH, but I'm just not really following. <laughs> I'm not. This isn't for me, you know, as far as a, a match goes. I just thought it was bang average, really, once they actually did start wrestling. I enjoyed the tour of Corrigan, uh, like you say. That was about it, though, really. That I, I kind of took yeah. it. I don't even know what I'd give it on Grapple. Maybe maybe a Gentleman's 3, because I got to see, like, the the background, the backstage of Corrigan. I got to see, like, the toilets in the distance and... I enjoyed the stare down on a on that an ironic be part level. Of your match criteria, but when you were training, <laughs> imagine they said, "Well, 
<laughs> Did your match have a view of the uh, of the pisser? It was no well, Nick. It was no case, Nick Gage on that GCW stop. show last week, going into like the uh, the proper shifty toilets and that dive bar they were wrestling from. As far as wrestling yeah. toilets go on wrestling shows, they're the one. Um, but I'm it guessing... sounds like the Japanese equivalent of like, what the Firefly Funhouse is going to be. <laughs> wow, <laughs> there's going to be some pure on really right? angry now, Joe. Wrong. We're winding up the Puro nerds here. If they've made it to two hours and four minutes, then they're going to be fuming. None of them listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Alan Farrell, and that's about it. Yeah, and we like. But that. it was, but it's a, it's an interest. I mean, like in terms of like where Noah is as Shiozaki as champion and the rest of it. I mean, this match doesn't feel like it's. It's there because Vegeta has some kind of a name, and mm. Sakuraba was at ringside as well mm. throughout. Is where he's sort of distinctive, um, you know, that's like the art, the the kind of all over outfit that he tends to put on when he when he wrestles as well. But, Showing you Noah credentials now, AJP. Eh, no, <laughs> don't go that far. Should we have a chat about Goshiyazaki's Ring of Honor run instead, Joe? Were you a fan of that? Yeah, uh, like two matches. I don't <laughs> yeah. really remember it. I, what about I saw him wrestle live. Goshiyazaki correspondences go to shit, haven't you, Joe? Over the last decade. I never pretended to be a Goshiyazaki correspondent, mate, or made any illusion about it. Um, I can barely remember the match. He had a unified. I think Doug Williams was in it, if I remember rightly. That rings a bell. That's a show we should go back. I think it was. A... I, I, I was I, we idea. should go back and review unified. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I won't do it. I'll wait for like, like you say, Bound for Glory, two thousand and five. Something like that. No, no, come on, mate. Come on. We'll get a um, non-live perspective from it. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll have a look or I might save it for this one. We'll, we'll play that one by ear. Yeah, good plans, good plans. I like it. Um, I mean, before we go, JP, we've uh, obviously we've always got to plug the Grapple app. There's, uh, people might not realise, yes. you know, you, there's a lot of promotions you can rate on there. You can rate Beyond Wrestling on there at the moment and their shows. And you can actually rate, as we talked about last week and maybe missed when we talked about it, MLW's on there too, you know, people can get the ratings there, you still, yeah. are, you still are MLW correspondent, I'm sad to say I didn't see this week's episode yet. I I am, I've watched uh, the two weeks, there's a there's a really, there's a good TV match on there, um, between um, Alexander Hammerstone and T-Hawk, mm. T-Hawk's great in it, and Hammerstone is obviously very, very raw at this stage. But has done well to get over that audience. If you think of what the job of MJF is, and next week will be MJF's last match because he's going to lose a Leaves MLW match with Mance Warner. So in terms of what his job was, which was to get Richard Holiday over, get the dynasty over and get Hammerstone over, he's kind of done that. Because mm-hmm. like, there is that bit of, bit of credibility there. I think, and it's an interesting one because this is going to be the company that's going to have shows in front of people over the next sort of month and a half because they, they're still in Philadelphia for this. They've then got the series coming up with the, the, with the AAA matches, with AAA versus MLW. Um, as an easy 50-minute watch, yep, really easy. Like, of the matches that was on there, that was definitely the best of them. Main event was, was bad. And it was King Mo versus Loki in a King of the Knockouts match <laughs> with Ross Ross von Erich in Loki's corner and That's Dan amazing. Lambert, who's Dan Lambert, who's fucking tremendous in, in King Mo's. Well, the problem is King Mo's shite. 
that's the really the fundamental key here. He's not very good, and he's quite old now. So if he hadn't got into MMA and had gone into wrestling, he probably would have really been something at this point. And he was there, and it's just about him trying to get a takedown on Loki for the whole time, and it's just sort of like basic sort of scrambling. And then there's a load of bullshit when Team Filthy come out. He hits Loki over the head with uh, with an umbrella, and then there's a towel that Ross Von Erich had, and they take it off him and throw it in the rings. So when the referee's distracted, he comes back in and Loki's knocked out and the towel's there. So it's, it's very, like, watching this, the similarities of kind of particularly Memphis and ECW are kind of all over this. really is. Like, the way that they'll have that one big show mm. and they'll get about four, five, six episodes of TV out of it. And then they'll go and do their next big show and then they'll have that. And that seems to be the model with one big pay-per-view a year. And it's pretty solid. And at the moment, because they're the only ones who are offering kind of, I suppose it looks unique compared to everybody else in terms of they've got original programming that's been filmed in front of an audience. I thought it was it was perfectly fine and enjoyable. If you're looking to kill time, which a lot of people are at this stage, <laughs> you, could do, you could do a lot worse than watch that. I'm just looking at your grapple ratings, JP, for this last episode of TV as a fusion is on grapple. 1.5 oh, yeah. you gave King Mo and Loki. Uh, that's yeah, not uh, exactly. <laughs> Do you go with your... <laughs> Hammerstone and T-Hawk? I think you went a bit higher on. Do you give it 3.75? Three and a half on that one. 3.75, JP. Oh, was it 3.75? You went higher. Do you know what? I, I thought I did three and a half for that one. I honestly, to God, thought it was it was a really fun match, a good, fun TV match. And a lot of the times when we have spoken about MLW, the matches themselves aren't very good. It's not about But the they matches, do very really? well to get their roster over as characters. So in that sense, it feels like ECW, where you look at it and go, actually, there's large swathes of this show that are pretty shit. But at mm. the same time, they've gotten people over in the meantime to be able to do that. Um the opener, Dominic Garini and this sort of challenge match against a guy called Dr. Drax or something like that. So and he choked him out like a minute and a half, so he didn't mean fuck all. Um, yeah, and it has Tom Lawler on it, who's brilliant. He's really good fun. as um, And Team Filthy as well, who've time, teamed up with uh, King Mo. So in some ways, like, like I'll always watch for Tom Lawler. I've always enjoyed his show with Alvarez. Yeah, he could do a lot worse than watch that. I'm assuming, Joe, you won't be watching any of this. <laughs> I will. I'm going to watch it this week. I know no, you'll watch it, Ben. I'm going to catch up this weekend. Nah. <laughs> well, if, you, if anyone does watch it, get your ratings in on Grapple. Uh, like I say, their weekly TV's on there. There's DDT on there. Beyond's on there. And there you go. There's one for you, Joe. They've, they've got uh, Garrett going in, and he spent literally last week adding the entire Rev Pro back catalogue, or at least the, the bulk of it. Uh, so you can go back and add your old ratings for Rev Pro shows. You know, there you go. He's done something for you. Cool. <laughs> thanks <laughs> I think there is some like one of the good things at the moment is obviously a lot of promotions are putting their content up onto YouTube for free so I'm on the Beyond one they've got loads of stuff on there hmm. um, I think there's there's also stuff I mean obviously Impact have got all, all their stuff up on there as well I think MCW and PWA in Australia have got stuff out there at the same time so you know there's a whole wealth of stuff to be able to watch on free. I think Riptide have put up full shows up onto the, their YouTube channel as well. So in this time of sort of wanting content, between that and all the classic stuff they've got that Joe's getting his um, mid-90s All Japan Puro fix from, 
Mm. We're kind of well sorted for sort of wrestling content, aren't we? Definitely. Yeah, to be honest, until wrestling comes back properly, I'm just pretending it's the 90s for the long term. <laughs> There's so much great stuff from that era. Um, you know, I could easily pretend it was the mid 2000s as well because there's lots of stuff from that era I want to go back and watch. Mm. And you know, I get why you watch the MLW stuff, but I'm just thinking I could watch that or I could get a couple of Kabashi matches from '93 in during that. What's going to be more memorable ultimately? And you know, what's uh, I don't know, it's, it's just different strokes, I suppose. I, I'm not yeah. that bothered about current product at the moment and i'm never going to watch mlw really i might watch a pay-per-view if you made me watch a jp but mm. uh, yeah i just sort of think to myself it it's sort of there bubbling under but it's never going to have any proper penetration and once life gets back to normal i'm not going to have the time to watch it week to week anyway so oh, no i and can't I think that, I, I, and I almost think that's part of the fun of it like the way I look at it is, is it's interesting as a company that mm. of of how of where they are and whether they sit in the kind of wrestling landscape. I find that stuff kind of really intriguing for them. Um, but I completely get it. Depends on how much time. But I also think as well, like I say, because it probably has that bit of an ECW vibe. There's a bit of a nostalgia yeah. thing going on with it as well. As a as an e- and I've always just found it an easy watch. And the fact it's on YouTube, to be honest with you, it means it's so easily accessible. It's be. weird because I'm not like craving wrestling. Like when I find myself mm. wanting to watch wrestling at the moment, I just want to watch old stuff because I've not had really any opportunity in the last few years because there's been so much current product and lots of good current product to go back and watch stuff. And I always say, oh, I'd love to go back and watch that. I wish I had the time. And now I've got the time. This week, I was just chatting to my brother. I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch Vader's run in a UWFI, Ooh, which I've time. never actually watched. And I've wanted to watch that mm. for years. And now is the time to go do it, I think. Mm. Yeah, good That's job. the situation we're in, aren't we? Where all the stuff we wanted to catch up on, We've now got that opportunity to be able to do that. It's like football. I haven't missed football yet. I love football. I watch too much of it. The fact that there's not football on constantly has given me an opportunity to do other stuff and watch other stuff. And Barry Glendinning, who does the Guardian football podcast, said the same thing. I'm going to go back and watch a few older football matches that I really want to see at some point when I get that craving for football. But I think, you know, if, say, I don't see any live football for a year, yeah, I'm going to miss it massively. Uh, but at the moment, I don't know, I'm just enjoying this. I, I say enjoy it. It's not a good time at all. Uh, but I'm u- trying to use the time to yeah. say it again. Making the most of the time you've got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not giving it to King Mo. <laughs> you gonna or go back you to... could play Football Manager. you got to go back I'm and watch not, your 96 show. Like... Isn't that on like the ITV Hobo or something like that? This oh, oh, you know what? I probably will. <laughs> I know I will. Yeah. There you go. You got that. Will you, will you be... Yeah, well, it'll have the same effect on you though, mate. You can watch that. Oh, you were upset, weren't you, last time? I cried my eyes out when Gareth Southgate missed that penalty, mate. Yeah. Oh, God. That's an emotional one. Maybe we can do a bonus podcast on that. But, yeah, while you be no, doing that, <laughs> while you be doing that, I'll be watching. Apparently, that TNA, you know, that retro pay-per-view they were going to do? Some of that's coming out on their TV this week, so I might watch that just out of uh, pure curiosity. Well, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's for me and JP, though. You can watch the Euros, show. We're all good. So they filmed the retro paper. What? No, they did, like, an episode of, a retro episode of Impact that was supposed to air the week of the pay-per-view so they recorded oh, it right. so it's the one where, you know when scott steiner went to hospital that's that that's them yeah. 
when they filmed that. Uh, I don't. Ah, okay. uh, I know okay. Suicide's on it, Manix on it. I don't think there's any of the big retro names, but you know, I might watch that. It's something to watch. Sounds yeah, awful. Shark Boy will be all over that. There you go. Yeah, Stone Cold Shark Boy. But uh, it anyway. sounds like watching back. It's like doing a vintage episode of Velocity or something. <laughs> you know what? There'll be a market for that. There's always someone. What loss it? One thing I was going to mention before we go, uh, just to point out, a couple of people wrote to us, you know, we were talking about where, the whereabouts of PNUs last week. Apparently, the mm. schedule for GCW's uh, Clusterfuck Battle Royal this weekend for wrestling. Oh, oh yeah. brilliant. Like, how gutting is that, that, if that had been the punchline <laughs> to that joke? Devastating. Uh, but other than that, uh, any other notes from anyone, PNUs related or otherwise? No, I think that's it. Time for bed. Yeah, good shout. So yeah, like I said earlier, lots of stuff on Grapple to rate. If you are going through the uh, the archives, uh, there's lots of uh, stuff you can rate uh, during through the uh, the Grapple back catalog as well. We'll be back next Monday with yeah our WrestleMania episode. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. subject to change how much of WrestleMania we'll be watching, but yeah, we're all excited for that. I'll be back on Friday on a British Wrestling Experience on Post. More exciting than that, we're reviewing International Showdown. Uh, the Wrestling Channel show from exactly 15 years ago this month. The anniversary was, uh, I think, only a week and a half ago. Uh, so we're going to be covering that and, uh, and going back in time to, again, the mid-2000s, happier times. Uh, so, yeah, you can you get to listen to that on Post Wrestling. Follow Grapple on Twitter, at Grapple. Follow me at Benson Richard E. Follow JP at JPGP. And, yeah, we'll be back next Monday. Bye. See ya. should rap for my life and if I had to I wouldn't think twice they can't diss me I don't care what they say cause that's not the game the PM News would play so if you're listening take my advice or ask my opponent it ain't worth the price yo baby yo baby yo yo baby yo Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.